get into it. Uh, what are your financial goals? Big goal, I'm trying to buy a house. <laughs> yeah, right. What? You'll never own a home. But I work 40 hours a week. That's awesome. Nobody cares. I, I don't live paycheck to paycheck. No, you're not what we call paycheck to paycheck. You're what we call vacation to pet surgery. Oh. Have you ever had to replace all four tires on your car at once? Yeah. How was that for you? Why are tires so expensive? <laughs> That's not good. Speaking of cars, seems like you paid your car off recently. Thank you. I did pay off my car. That's a big boy move. The very same month your student loans picked back up. I forgot about those. Everybody did. But I just got a raise. So did all the prices. Yeah, what's going on with eggs? Oof, eggs are having a year. That's why I stopped eating. When did you stop eating? Yesterday. What are your long-term life goals? I'm honestly just trying to be able to afford a kid. Well, technically, that's a bright future because he's seeing stars. Welcome back, beautiful and amazing human beings. My name is Luke Radowski here of wearechange.org, and we are going to be live for the next two hours with uh, a house filled with a guest that's missing and is going to be here in just a little bit. A special guest that, of course, is late because of the crazy Miami traffic, but we decided to start off anyway because there's so many different crazy things to talk about in our modern day world that we're just going to have to start this show without him, out him as of course there's a lot of turmoil within the cities there's a lot of news coming from the last and final republican presidential debate as well as some really interesting news surrounding foreign policy with warnings from the Biden administration that I think should be taken very seriously. We're going to be talking about that plus a lot more all here on this independent media broadcast that, of course, you could participate just by signing up to LukeUnfiltered.com. And by doing so, you not only get three master classes, a forum, a members only store contest giveaways, tickets in real life but also the ability to call in to the show as we are going to be taking phone calls 3.30 p.m. Eastern on Rumble when the show moves over at the one-hour mark and the conversations get a lot more spicier than, of course, the conversations that we are allowed to have here. Another way that you guys could participate in the conversation is by going to mysuperchat.com. That is our website. Every and all Super Chats will be read, whether they are... YouTube Super Chats, Rumble Rants, or individual cha uh, chats uh, given on mysuperchat.com. As, of course, this gives only a 3% service charge. YouTube, 30% service charge. So, of course, your text will be appearing on screen when you Super Chat on mysuperchat.com. And we appreciate all the amazing support we had for this podcast journey. As, of course, this is the first fourth episode this week. We did three shows already with some really spectacular guests. We had Mir One in here. We had Josie, the redheaded libertarian. We had Vinny from Valuetainment last night. I'm still, my, my throat is still freaking sore. My voice is almost lost from that conversation yesterday. It was a really awesome one, as of course, we promised to deliver some awesome guests. We really got a good one, but until that guest arrives and sits there, took us in the seat, we have Clint Russell here of the Liberty Lockdown Podcast. Clint, how are you? I'm good, Luke. I'm good. Uh, yeah, just thrilled to see Vivek 
and his reign of neocon terror continue. Uh, thank you, Vivek, for doing that with Nikki last night. Uh, at Liberty Lockpod on X, if you want to follow me there, Liberty Lockdowns the show. Also, uh, do Tower Gang. You can follow me. All my programs are on Rumble. Some of them are on YouTube periodically, but consistently on Rumble. And I believe Luke said 3.30 uh, Eastern. I'm sure he meant specific. So uh, 6.30, LukeUnfilter.com Eastern. If you guys want to call in, we'll be ready to talk to you. Steph on the buttons. I thought I said 6.30 Eastern. You said 3.30, but it's I, okay. I, it's, it's been a long, long week. We've been working our butts off here. Stephanie, exactly. you're going to have to do the, the, the majority of the heavy lifting here. We expect you to talk throughout the majority of the show. I hope you're ready. Yeah, Super ready. Let's go. Let's start it off right now. <laughs> what else? Keep Vivek, going, Steph. we have so much to talk about. It was so nice. We saw him here, and now we're going to see more of what he's doing up to. What is he up to? <laughs> what is he up to, Mr. Vivek? Just, just brilliant cutting analysis. I love it. Let's we're going we're, we're to be coming to you a lot, Stephanie, so just be prepared and ready. As of course, let's just jump into it. As of course, the Daily Mail is reporting that Vivek is toast. And even Chris Christie won't eat it. Now that's a great pun, but uh, the beginning sentence here, toast. What what are you what are you talking about? Are, are are you kidding me here? This is just an absolute ridiculous take. As the corporate media has been releasing a lot of hogwash and just absolute garbage surrounding this particular debate, as it's pretty clear, uh, Vivek was on freaking fire. He wasn't holding anything back. He was going after all of the other presidential candidates that essentially were speaking in unison. He was one of the few voices that was willing to address spicy issues, willing to, of course, go after individuals, call them out on their hypocrisies. And again, Vivek, not a perfect guy. His policies aren't always the best, sure. But when it comes to standing out out of the pack, I think he definitely did that last night. What was your guys' response to this? As, of course, I'm going to turn up the, the AC in here because it's getting hot. Sure. Uh, I really thought that, you know, we, we had him in studio a couple weeks ago. Uh, maybe it was a month ago now. I'm not sure. Uh, but he his exasperation with the political ordeal that he's participating in was so evident and I could just see that it's really wearing on him. So uh, for me, it was gratifying because that was the read I got from him that he really doesn't like these people, particularly Nikki Haley, but just broadly the neoconservative movement. And and I I personally believe it's sincere. I think that he is he is of my generation. He saw the war on terror. He saw the the lies and the deception. He's now kind of come to the light on the J six stuff. I think I think that the guy is is sincere in his hatred of the establishment and having to interact with the the media day in and day out and their their deception and their obfuscation and their lies. I think that he's just had it and and he's letting every he's letting it loose and this is exactly what I wanted to see. This is what I was screaming at my TV when I was watching DeSantis uh, debate Newsom. I was like, just let loose. Do what everybody sitting at home wants to see done to these establishment warhawks, and you will have a a lifetime of support. And I think that he's uh, he's pursuing that path. I, I think we made a mistake last night not uh, simulcasting and responding to the debates because I thought it was just going to be another boring, horrible debate. But let's be honest here. If Vivek wasn't running, that debate would have not been fun to watch. But it was fun to watch, especially afterwards. I was like, wait, hold on. I'm seeing all these clips being shared around on social media with him blasting the establishment. I think we should have watched it in real time, reacted in real time. Even though we had an amazing conversation with Vinny from Valuetainment, the conversation was awesome. It was really, really incredible. 
And uh, still, I think we made a mistake. We should have uh, we should have been watching that debate. It, it's tough because you never know when these debates are going to be fireworks or are going to be snooze fest. But really, the truth is, it's like it's only when Vivek speaks that there's anything compelling happening. And I th- that's what I find so so funny about the media coverage in the aftermath is it's always portraying him as getting flattened somehow or or he's so annoying and irritating. I'm like. I'm like, he's the only guy up there that I even have any semblance of respect for. That's kind of what makes it really interesting is the fact that they're actually like trying to shush him and trying to like move on to the next one. That's what makes it more interesting to like, okay, this is probably the guy that we need to see what he's going to do. Let's let's put let's let him put his money where his mouth is like he's saying all these things. It sounds good. It'd be really interesting to see him do what he says well i don't i don't necessarily think he's even going to get that opportunity which is why i don't understand the liberty test or the uh, purity test that i see from the the liberty you know republicans and the libertarian community is like like this guy is almost certainly not going to be the president so all that his value provides is in destroying the establishment is but in, well, what is that going to look like like how can you say he's almost not certain i'm just curious like because well, he's only polling at nine percent trump is polling at 75 percent so it's like like the odds, the odds are that it's going to be Trump, unless he unless he's removed from the ballot. Somehow. Yeah, but but if anything happens to Trump, Trump's going to endorse Vivek because Vivek's the only person who said that he would bail him out and actually get him out of jail when he's facing seven hundred and fifty years in there. So I do True. believe there is a path, and and uh, at least there's someone in the race that is willing to say things that are controversial, that are different. And I I always made this point, and I always said this very kind of loudly, and that was specifically that you know these presidential debates, a lot of a lot of people. People are talking about who's going to win, who's going to... No, 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 no. The, the wins come on the battlefield. The wins come when it comes to conversations that are started. And he started some really interesting conversations exactly. that the corporate media has been trying to stop for a very long time. Some controversial issues that we can't even get to hear on this particular platform. But when he comes out and talks about the military-industrial complex, when he talks about the neocons, when he talks about how the system is all there to protect itself, as Chris Christie's literally wagging his his nubs at him <laughs> and his, his fat is just sweating swinging off of that finger, saying, hey, Nikki's a great leader. She's a good woman simping for her on national television. It, it shows you that a lot of the kind of establishment, uh, establishment neoconservative right-wingers are on the same kind of side there, and he's just saying, you know what, let's just break this conversation wide open. Let's just get into some spicy issues. Let's push the Overton window, which CNN is literally freaking out about. We also got a super chat now that I wanted to read from Red Viking, and he says, I just freaking love this show the button girl thank you red viking for uh, that super chat it means a lot there's a reason we created the best political show.com we also have a lot of really interesting urls that we are going to be introducing next week again i got a lot of surprises for people next week it's going to be really awesome as we are launching a full frontal information campaign against uh, a certain individual i i don't want to i don't want to i don't want to lay out my plans t- too much here it's just going to be pretty funny and pretty hilarious as also we are going to be doing a lot of special shows from the beanie man as of course we have another rumble rant from bald headed dim fool <laughs> saying this by far is the best podcast so far way better than the other beanie guy or whatever his name is where's ben obo <laughs> bonobo yeah bonobo should be there why oh. is not bonobo there clint showed up clint showed up 40 minutes late by the way <laughs> we would have to- yeah put bonobo in. put bonobo let's get bonobo in there you're you're absolutely right and uh, bald headed dim fool that's a very interesting username thank you for of course going on my 
mysuperchat.com uh, and um, giving us these super chats. I might disagree with you. I, I kind of like like watching, uh, you know, the Beanie Man uh, my, myself. There's Bonobo, uh, <laughs> the, the very loving um, orangutan monkey. Sloth. No, he's a, sloth. He's, he's a Look monkey. Look at his hands. He's a monkey, according he's, to my own. He's Bonobo the monkey. Show us his so, hands. So uh, thank you, bald beanie, uh, bald-headed dimple, for reminding us that. Uh, but uh, as you guys know, I will be co-hosting the Beanie Man's show with him next week, and uh, he works really hard and he provides some really awesome stuff to this community that we wouldn't have if it wasn't for his hard work and dedication. Thanks. So no hate towards him, uh, and he does work incredibly hard and deserves everything he has. A lot of people are like, "I don't want we here," and I'm like, "You don't." understand how hard that man works um and how much dedication how much time and energy he put into everything i was there i saw it firsthand and i'm like holy cow this guy's like a freaking robot russian (laughs) machine uh just like going at it with very little breaks very little downtime just straight hustling in the middle of nowhere with nothing else around you other than some like weird deers and a bunch of chicken heads everywhere. <laughs> um, the, the, the country chicken heads, not the city chicken heads. But anyway, let's talk about what's going on with Vivek, because I thought the response here by CNN was absolutely extremely telling and kind of shows you everything you want to know from this entire presidential debate. As, of course, we're going to only play a small clip of this, but Van Jones, a man that, by the way, I confronted num- a number of times, as soon as I started confronting him, the man literally ducked his tail between his legs, started running around looking for security in order to try to arrest me for asking him questions. You could see those videos now on my YouTube channel. And uh, Van Jones, <sighs> very interesting conversations with him. I'll just leave it at that. But this was his response to Vivek Rabaswamy, which a lot of the people in the establishment really do not like. Gee, I wonder why. In the smug, condescending way, that he just spews this poison out yeah. is very, very dangerous because poison. Okay, I want to. I want. I want to talk about this poison. What what poison is he talking about? As he's saying, "Hey, we got to stop all these wars. Hey, we got to stop all these foreign conflicts. Hey, we got to stop selling this country out." What, 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 where's the poison in that? Well, can, did can, you see any poison from from Vivek? Uh, it's poison to him. He's like, "Oh my gosh, this is poisoning me. I can't listen to Vivek because he's saying too much truth." Well, th- I think the thing that that blows my mind is like. Van Jones is allegedly a progressive, right? They're supposed to be anti-war. Vivek is if far and away the most non-interventionist GOP candidate aside from Trump. And yet Trump and Vivek are the two guys that they find to be these like fascistic threats. It just it just demonstrates how how nonsensical and, and you know transparent their uh, their non-interventionist positions are. They're they're not. Yeah, um, so we have another super chat by Lane Bold 63 saying Vivek is pronounced like the word, word cake. Um, and uh, yes, we might have accidentally um, called him the wrong name, but I don't think he minds. We were I was calling him what I call him regularly all the time <laughs> since I've known him. And he, he wasn't the type of person to be like, hey, this is high. He's not he's not that high strung around us. As, of course, another portion of the debate that happened was him saying, how dare he call Nikki Haley by her real name? And then there was another exchange about that. But let's go back to Van Jones and talk about more of his nonsensical dribble that he just released on the world as he, of course, was having a meltdown because of Vivek. Vivek cake. Vivek cake. Vivek cake. He won't stop Trump, but he's going to outlive Trump by about 50 years. And you're watching the rise of an American demagogue 
that is a very, very despicable person. Yeah. And I, I'm, I literally, I, I, was, I was shaking listening to him talk because a lot of people don't know that is one step away. One step away from uh, the Germans in the 1940s is what he says that, um, of course, YouTube would hurt us for, for even saying. He could say it on his YouTube channel. They're totally cool with that. YouTube could get away with showing really awful, horrific stuff on their YouTube channel. Independent media covering the same stuff, even covering the corporate media, they get hit, which is just highlighting a lot of hypocrisy. But but it's fair to say that he's definitely having a kind of uh, uh, an emotional Ben Shapiro reaction to, to a lot of this, rather than an actual logical one trying to defeat this idea because he's just going and saying, hey, that, that one brown guy that was on stage, yeah, he's very close to the Germans in the 1940s, which is an absolute absurd take to, to, to make here, as, of course, um, it, it has no basis in reality, and he's resorting to the leftist tactic of everybody is that mustached guy from 1940s, which is ridiculous. It's totally ridiculous, and I... I love I love that Vivek is just is just showing these people the for, cake the cake Vivek Vivek the cake excuse me uh, is is showing these people for the frauds that they are uh, this is this is really a similar phenomenon to what we saw from Trump in 2015 in the lead up to that election uh, less so in 2020 when they had just completely lost their minds but this is like like the rise of a threat to the uh, to the regime and and I think for, for you know from my vantage point the reason that I have so much more faith in Vivek, aside from the fact that I've I've spoken to him personally for about three hours now, and I, I feel like I have a better sense as to who he is as a person, um, is just that you know he he's he's clearly the the next iteration of Trump in terms of the the populist movement that he has kind of uh, born in this country, and I think that they realize that he's going to be a problem for them for many decades moving forward, and uh, that's. I think they're right. I think that he's not going away anytime soon. People in the comments section are saying, "Are you mention Are you mentioning Charlie Chaplin?" No, I'm not mentioning <laughs> Charlie Chaplin. I'm, I'm mentioning uh, an, another uh, guy that YouTube hates to, to have you even talk about. As of course, historians even got hit talking about actual legitimate history here. But but I thought this was kind of very telling during the debates, especially when we have Nikki Haley coming out and saying we need to ban TikTok because people there are starting to hate a particular group and race of individuals. As of course, these people love censorship. They love centralized power. They all agree that, hey, no matter what happens, the state knows what's right for you and we'll take care of you. Vivek's kind of stepping out outside of that uh, purview and saying, uh, no, maybe the state intervening isn't the best idea well, here. And, it, and it's Van Jones that's accusing Vivek of being the fascist because he's attacking Nikki Haley, which is the one that's dictating that private businesses need to be shut down unless they acquiesce to the demands of the government, which is classic definitional fascism. Like, does anybody see what's happening here? <laughs> Van Jones is accusing Vivek of being the fascist because he's attacking the fascist. I just, it's so its so obvious what's going on here. He is a threat to the establishment. They don't like that. Anybody that's a threat to the establishment is the, the next mustache man, uh, you know, danger for civilization. Yeah, a very telling moment out of this debate was when Vivek asked Nikki Haley to name three Ooh. areas that they were fighting over in Ukraine where she wants our soldiers to go over and, and fight. Of course, that's what the Biden administration is literally warning. I don't know if we should play some of this clip. Should we play some of this clip? Yeah, let's do it. All right. I want to say one thing about the tie to Ukraine, if I may. So foreign policy experience is not the same as foreign policy wisdom. I want everybody at home to know that I was the first person to say we need a reasonable peace deal in Ukraine. 
Now a lot of the neocons are quietly coming along to that position, with the exceptions of Nikki Haley and Joe Biden, who still support this, what I believe is pointless war in Ukraine. And I think those with foreign policy experience, one thing that Joe Biden and Nikki Haley have in common is that neither of them could even state for you three provinces in eastern Ukraine that they want to send our troops to actually fight for. Look at that. This is what I want people to understand. These people have, I mean, she has no idea what the hell the names of those provinces are, but she wants to send our sons and daughters and our troops and our military equipment to go fight it. So reject this myth that they've been selling you, that somebody had a cup of coffee stint at the U.N. and then makes eight million bucks after, has real foreign policy experience. It takes an outsider to see this through. Look at the blank expression. She doesn't know the names of the provinces that she wants to actually fight for. And there's a puppet masters right there, the donors. The donor's right there. They're playing about the Okay, hold on, hold on. Look at Chris Christie, white knighting. Oh, no, stop it. Stop it. You're hurting her. No, <laughs> don't do it. Please. The words are so mean and awful. Please. And, and it, it was just ridiculous to see. Of course, Nikki Haley first said, I'm not going to. Uh, she said something to the tone of saying, I'm not going to, you know, give that you know, question any kind of legitimacy. And then she went on and named uh, Donetsk. And um, uh, Luhansk, and then said Crimea, but that's not where the fighting uh, is happening with the the front lines. There, it is Kherson and uh, Zaporizhia. Zaporizhia as well. That the Russians don't actually have the capitals of, but they're actually trying to negotiate and now trying to um, have a deal where, of course, they will get a bigger portion of that region in order to secure their kind of land bridge to Crimea. But um, again. Very telling moment, especially I think the biggest moment was specifically with Nikki Haley essentially being called out as having the same plans with this particular conflict as the Biden administration, which is very telling. And it's true. <laughs> That's the most important part is that it's true. And he's getting booed from the crowd. The The audience at home, uh, it, at least from what I've seen on Twitter, is going buck wild like they love it. Um, it to me, you know, the, the most telling part about that entire uh, little clip there is that as he's getting booed, Vivek points to the crowd and he says, there's her donors right there. And and I, I think that's the truth. I think that they are planting uh, people in the crowd to to boo, to try and dictate to the home audience, just like a live studio audience might, as to you know when they throw up the uh, applause, applause, the applause <laughs> sign, they're like, oh, Nikki talked. Boo! Wait. Uh, Vivek talked. Boo! boo. Uh, and I and I think he's right, and and I think that's the, like just for people at home. I, I share your skepticism about all politicians. Uh, believe me, I do. the The reason that I, I tend to think that he's legit or he's the real deal is that if if he has the donor class going up and, and and backing one of his opponents very heavily, and they're trying to kind of like the media is also portraying him as as losing these debates that he's clearly winning. This is the same treatment that I saw for Ron Paul. It's the same treatment that I saw for Donald Trump. I think that portrays him to be, if not fully on our side, at least an enemy of the establishment. And as far as I'm concerned, I'll take what I can get. I want an enemy of the establishment. We have another super chat here from D who says, Clint eats wood. Thank you for that super chat, <laughs> D. Uh, who told you? Uh, yeah. Um, you know. 
Clint? Yeah, I mean, he can't help himself. I'm, I'm, I might have to deal with some of the things that sticks on to the glue, but I'll leave that for another <laughs> another segment and another portion. But what I think, what, what I, what I kind of see happening here is you, you see a lot of the big kind of corporations, you see a lot of the banksters, the globalist class, the corporate media trying to kind of prompt up, hey, guys, uh, we have Nikki Haley here. You guys should support her. She's going to be great for you, as she represents, of course, the best interest for them. And they're doing everything they can to be like, hey, Nikki, 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 you got to go for her. You got to vote for her. She's great. She's going to be awesome. And then uh, Vivek Vivek literally comes in there and just like pulls the chair and knocks her completely down. And people aren't buying the the, the kind of larger uh, plans that Nikki has because he's calling them out in real time as they're unfolding. And therefore, they cannot get their psyop through, which is, of course, trying to replace Nikki Haley with Donald Trump as the front runner for this presidential election. And they're doing as much as they can. They're, they're running 24-7 media psyops in, in such a very desperate way that, it, that it's being called out immediately and laughed at. None of this is working. But let's be honest here. A couple years ago, it would have worked very well. Now, it absolutely is not. Yeah, well, and largely because X allows us to actually have these conversations openly, openly thankfully. Um, and just a, another little trick for people at home that are trying to evaluate which of these politicians are on the people's side. Anytime he, uh, anytime you see a politician that is is attacking one of their competitors in a, in a fashion that demonstrates the corruption of the broader system, they don't like that. Trump, when he was talking about Hillary being a crook, that's a no-go. You don't do that. You don't talk about any of her, uh, you know, shady business dealings or any of that stuff. He did that. Vivek has has very much popularized the concept that Nikki Haley, you know, had a had a cup of coffee at the UN. Then she comes out and she starts making millions of dollars uh, working or at the behest of the military industrial complex. Vivek is right, and that is not something that you're supposed to point out if you are within the establishment because there's controlled opposition when you see uh chris christie and nikki haley up there they're buddy buddy they might have you know two percent disagreement but it's all it's all surface level when you start talking about the corrupt nature of the political uh class in, in its entirety then you are truly an outsider and vivek is playing with fire doing exactly that Steph, did you want to say something you look like you're trying to prepare to no, I'm good, but it just to follow up on what Clint is saying, it's like a contingency plan. It's like we're going to put Nikki here. We're going to put some other person that's also like friends with Nikki. Like they're both in agreement. So yeah. even if it's subconscious, like whether it's you, whether it's me, it's still the same plan. Well, look, just to just to prove out my case, if if Chris Christie were to get into office, which he won't. Nikki Haley would probably be the, exactly. Secretary of Defense team. and vice versa. They're, like they are playing uh, on the same team, and and almost everybody on the stage all along has been. And I think that Trump and Vivek are the two guys that are actually, you know, even if they're not on fully on my team, they are certainly not on their team, and I like that a lot. Honestly, I don't think it really takes a lot to figure that out. Like at least for me, it's like I don't even need to really watch. I can just hear a few things here and there, and then realize, okay. The establishment is is really happy about this Nikki. Like they really love this Nikki girl. I'm like, I don't like her. <laughs> well, I, I the only reason I'm so hesitant is one because I'm I've been lied to by every politician my entire life. Uh, but two, you know, I have a pretty significant audience now, and I don't want to mislead them. I don't want to tell them, oh no, this guy's the real deal. I, that's why I'm always very clear. I can't I can't know his heart. I all I can all I can say is I've talked to him at length. He's, he's willing to be challenged on every single thing. Nothing's taboo. Nothing's off the table. He's an open book. That's extraordinarily rare for a politician. It takes a level of, of intelligence that I've never seen, really, in any politician. Um, so 
it it makes me lean towards, particularly with the way the media is reacting to him, to to pick, uh, particularly with the the way the Chris Christies and the Nikki Haley's and the DeSantis of the world are reacting to him. That's what that's what leads me down the path of going. This this dude's an actual outsider. Well, if you're telling the truth, you don't need to remember your talking points and your lines, right? Right. Uh, we have another commentator here in the comment section saying Nikki Haley is Hillary Bush. Yes, I think that's a perfect representation mm-hmm. of who she is, especially with just the atrocious power grabs that she's trying to sell the American people as some kind of good idea. Those ideas rejected in real time, backhanded, slapped right back at her. And people are saying, hey, you know what? I, I, I like some of this uh, freedom here. So our guest, Stephen, is here. Uh, Clint, take it away. Uh, Stephen, where are you at, Stephen? All right. Um, yeah, so just just broad take on it. I think that the that Vivek clearly won once again. It's a total repeat of the, the last debate cycle um, where... Everybody sitting at home goes, wow, Vivek absolutely trounced these people. You, you wake up the next day, you go read the New York Post or any other rag out there, and they can come away concluding, oh, no, Vivek got flatlined. Uh, Nikki shines. Nikki soars. You know, like they'll always <laughs> they'll always frame it as if she's just on the on this. She's uh, just a shining star. <laughs> she's just a flamethrower up there. When the reality is she had a, a Gary Johnson moment that was a hundred times worse because Gary Johnson, when he was hit with the what is Aleppo moment, Gary wasn't advocating for war in Syria, whereas Nikki can't list any of the provinces of Ukraine while she is actively advocating for World War III to be fought in their defense. Well, just a few. It's just the wrong ones. Well, yeah, but she got the minutes <laughs> later. She I, And I wouldn't be surprised if she had IFB to get that information or if they had cards that they held up the names in the audience because <laughs> she was... She was clueless when he was actually grilling her, when she had a, she had an opportunity. Because like when you do a gotcha like that, mm-hmm. th- you have a very narrow window of opportunity for that to work. If she goes, if she just immediately fires back, Kherson, uh, mm-hmm. Donetsk, mm-hmm. Luhansk, like then, then Vivek looks Redemption, like a t- yeah. then Vivek looks like the clown. She didn't know. He took a risk. I felt like he did a little risk doing that, but Massive maybe he risk. really yeah, knew. I mean, if he would have got it wrong, like he would have like totally been a huge major loss for him yeah. in the yes. political campaign because he would have looked like a dummy if he would have said, oh, crap, she actually doesn't know all of them. Because he was accusing her. He was accusing her and, and Joe Biden saying these people are doing these things, they're starting these wars, or they're, they're proponents of these wars, and they don't even know what where they're sending our people, well, our ex- American people. It, it, exactly. And there's like, there's like 15 or 16 options of names. So it wasn't impossible that she would have known three. But she didn't know one. I was wondering, do they are they allowed to have cell phones up there on the podium? <laughs> No, but they could have notes, and then Vivek had a really cool note that he had on his uh, <laughs> on his podium that essentially read uh, Nikki uh, war criminal or uh, was it neocon? Nikki, I forgot what Nikki it was. Nikki equals corrupt is what. It okay, says. yes, yes. That, <laughs> Nikki that's, uh, equals that's Hillary. Pretty, that's pretty simple talking points. There is, of course, other people are like, "Hey, what's you know, what's this and that and that," but uh, yeah, that was pretty funny, and he's definitely playing into the meme game, which I think is uh, really awesome. Our, our guest is in the restroom. He's going to come out, and Bonobo the bear is going to be moved. And then, of course, we will introduce him and have a very lengthy conversation about seed oils, massa chips, and all this other incredible stuff. Mm. Stephen, there you are. So if you can, just go around here, and then we're going to have you sit right there. Right next to Clint. Don't worry, he doesn't bite. Sometimes. He sniffs, sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) But Stephen... 
Thank you so much for joining us. You're also known online as the Tan Man. We really appreciate you coming on this show. You're also behind Masa Chips, which I'll just be completely frank and honest. I, I saw a lot of people talk about these chips, and they're like, these are chips with no seed oils. And I'm like, holy freaking cow, finally, because I'm at the supermarket. I'm at Whole Foods all the time, and I'm like, I, I look at all the ingredients. I'm like, crap. Crap, crap, crap. I heard about your company. I actually, I actually tried it out when I was in L.A. at Arawan, and I'm like, these are good freaking chips. And I saw some influencers talk about your company. I'm like, I want to work with these guys. These guys are doing a good service, a good product that I actually want, that I actually use, that I actually enjoy. So we reached out to you. You're in Miami. You're like, hey, I'll just come down. We never met before. This is the first time I'm seeing you face to face. You're like, yeah, I'll just come in, jump on the podcast. So thank you so much for, for coming here. Who are you for the people who don't know you? Yeah, thanks. It's uh, it's great to be here. Perfect timing, too. I literally got to Miami on Wednesday, and I'm leaving tomorrow. And yes. it just so happened that we could make this work. I hope you're liking the traffic here. It took me an hour and a half to go nine miles. Yes, yes. Oh welcome to welcome to Miami. Welcome to Art Basel, one of the busiest, craziest times in the world this here. Is, it was. I used to live in Fort Lauderdale. I, during COVID, I became somewhat of a political refugee from the Northeast, and I lived in Fort Lauderdale for about two years. So I got somewhat accustomed to it up there, but like Miami... Is it, you can't even compare. totally different Absolute ball game, disaster. totally Absolute different disaster. ball game here, but yeah. uh, it's still beautiful. I think it's still one of the best places in the world. I think a lot of us are also refugees from 2020. We moved around a yeah. lot of different places, uh, but you're also the CEO of Natural Health Beauty. Uh, you got a PhD in tanning without sunscreen. I'm Very reading sure. your, your byline here for the people who don't know you. How would you introduce yourself? What do you do? Sure, I am the founder of Ancient Crunch. We make our first product is Monster Chips, but our goal is to basically be the free to lay of real food. Awesome. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. No, that, that's incredible. And There's a market void there for sure. No, absolutely. I, I literally, like Whole Foods now, used to have a lot of good products. Now, every time I go by, I'm like, oh, crap, I'm so disappointed. Yeah, and Whole it, Foods has really gone downhill yeah. in recent, recent times. Absolutely. Me and yeah. Steph literally created a crap list. We have a crap list for members of LukeUnfiltered.com that you could download or get on your phone that specifically tells you all the ingredients you got to avoid nowadays and all the new names for all the new products and all the other stuff that they have there. But I wanted to talk about a lot of the breaking news stuff. We're getting into the news here. We're going to go over to Rumble in about 30 minutes and there we could get into some deep kind of uh, down the rabbit hole stuff and talk about your company and talk about seed oils and sure. talk about the larger kind of health alternative movement because YouTube really doesn't like you talking about health, but this is why we wanted to have you here to talk about your product, to talk about more specifically also um, just the larger health war that is going on there. Sure. We were just talking about the presidential debates. I don't know if you were able to catch any. I don't know if you have a horse in the race. I don't know if you have a candidate that you like or endorse specifically yourself. Sure. I, I kind of stay out of politics, and if we want to get into this, we can. Like My view is that health and biology happens first. And so any political debate or whatever, like, oh, we should have this form of government or we should have this party in power. If you have good, healthy, strong people, it doesn't really matter how they constitute themselves politically. That society is going to be a good one. And time and again throughout history, we've seen societies built on strong, healthy, good people. They are good societies, whether or not they have this or that political leader or this sort of ideology. So that's my personal focus. And I try to stay out of like I, I think the news that's, in general. That's an interesting point, because uh, I think it's true, too. If you have a, a, a sick you know, population that that ultimately needs government assistance to survive. Well, they're gonna they're gonna vote for a larger government, and and it's going to you know all of the consequences that come therein are going to naturally follow. So I do think that you know taking care of yourself first and foremost will probably uh, affect the political establishment too. And or also, I, if you're sick, you can't really reason well. So right. it's like it's kind of coming from that too. You want some people that can actually think critically and make good, sound decision making 
through being healthy and putting you and your body first. Right. You can't reason well. You can't provide for yourself. And if you can't provide for yourself, it doesn't matter what the government will or will not get for you. If the actual citizenry is not productive and doing good things, no government's going to fix that problem. But they, they certainly can make it worse, though. Yeah, oh, for sure. <laughs> there, there's, a, there's a recent video going around of a man just taking an entire Frito uh, bag aisle yeah. in his whole huge, like, claw-like hand and just, like, <laughs> shoving it into a shopping cart. And I'm like, someone made the point here. This is the health care that everyone wants to be free, that you're going to be paying for at, at, at the end run. So I, I want to get into, again, health. We got to kind of stay off just for a little bit because, again, YouTube really doesn't like that. But let's talk about a, a little bit into just what's going on in the kind of business world. We have a clip here by a local news station that uh, on, on Fox 11 in California just uh, reported a, a very interesting circumstance when it comes to a, a person who voted for Biden, ver voted for Gavin Newsom. And then I kind of wanted to talk about what you see in this kind of business world yourself. So we're just going to play this clip here. And caught on camera at a local construction company in L.A.'s Glassell Park, several thieves are involved. And tonight that owner tells us he's frustrated. This whole strip has been broken due. Our neighbors have broken due four times. These guys just got broken due two months ago. What are we supposed to do? We're a small construction company. Ryan Bagley, the latest victim on this Glassell Park Street to get burglarized by several thieves, so many it's hard to count. As you watch them file into and out of Bagley's business, Delta Construction and Electric. They smashed into our gate over there, smashed their gate into here, 15 dudes come pouring in. Delta security cameras capturing the destructive mayhem about 5 a.m. Wednesday morning. The getaway car, this blue Kia Soul, Bagley says, was stolen from LAPD's impound yard. The cops just knew that it was from the LAPD impound because of the chalk mark on the window. That Kia Soul taking out a gate so the hooded suspects could make entry. You are currently being recorded. Inside, they took whatever they could carry, including music equipment. Bagley and his brother, former band members, stored inside. You can hear the alarm and spot a guitar. Stole six of our guitars, a bunch of studio mics and stuff like that. Rustled some stuff out, some, some uh, construction in our construction side. They stole a bunch of tools. Thousands of dollars worth of valuables, demolished doors and gates. Bagley says the alarm company woke him at 5.03 a.m. when the break-in was still underway. And he managed to get there even before cops. But the suspects were gone. I came in ready to rustle them out of there and just be like, you know, I'm, I wanted to at least take down a few of them. His business now boarded up, and Bagley is fed up with the break-ins and elected officials. I voted for Karen Bass. I voted for Biden. I voted for Gavin Newsom. I'm sick of it. It's like at some point you have to give me a reason to vote for you again. Or just do our jobs, make a living, help our employees make a good living, and move on. But it's really freaking difficult to survive. Yeah, you don't say so, as, of course, that man voted for what I would say are the policies that are impacting him the most. Clint is a refugee from California. I'm a refugee from New York City. I think Steph's the only one here who was born and raised in Miami and actually stayed in Miami. She's a unicorn, very rare person because everyone here is from New York like me. But, but you know, this is the cost of doing business now. I, I saw the taxes. I saw the rules. I saw the regulations. I saw the writing on the walls being like, hey, if you're in these kind of cities, there's no way to survive. There's no way to make money, especially with all the Bidenomics, especially with all the build back better policies that are absolutely screwing the American people. So I was just going to kind of ask you here as, as a business owner, how do you navigate this kind of unpredictable landscape where the cost of business 
is very expensive, but also very tumultuous, like you saw with that man who voted for a lot of the policies that he's being affected by. Right. Yeah. Where where we sit is a bit different because we don't have we don't require an urban presence. Right. Where our business manufacturing, all the marketing, all the digital stuff happens on laptops, wherever our employees live. So that's a big one, which in one sense is kind of sad because it means you like, you know, New York City used to be a center of industry or Philadelphia, Baltimore, like cities in the on the coast in Connecticut used to have manufacturing. They used to have actual businesses like an industry run in those cities. And that seems pretty much impossible these days, especially with this in L.A., you know, crazy, like the urban sprawl over there. You have to get pretty far away to go to a place that's safe. So where we are, our factory is in a pretty rural part of the Northeast. It's not that, you know, traffic. There's not much traffic going through there. It's like pretty small town, very farmy kind of vibes. That's where I grew up, actually, in western New Jersey. And that we haven't experienced any sort of issues like this, fortunately. But for a lot of people who require their business to be located where the customers are in a city, there's you have to be there. There's no other option. Right. And so they're going to have to put up with this. And, you know, it's they're, they're the ones that live in the city. They're the ones that vote for the government regime. They're the ones that are going to have to ultimately be accountable for what happens and what their elected officials do or don't do. Do, do you sell your products in retail stores? Yes. Yeah, so we are well, sort of our 90 percent of our business today is online. Sure. And so that's another that's another one. I like the, But if the, you if you want to be the yeah. free, uh, you know, the Frito-Lays of, of uh, you know, real food, you're going to have a lot of a lot of store presence, yes. I would imagine. Eventually. Yes. And as far as from again, from our perspective alone, that all falls on the retailers. And then what happens is the retailers have their theft insurance or whatever. they uh, I forget what they call it. It's like shrinkage. That's what, yeah. that's what they call it in retail. Shrinkage, Stop loss, shrinkage, yeah. Ha, has shrinkage been, been going up from everything that... I don't know if this is something yes. that you look to, oh, look, yeah. look to yourself, but, yeah. but what can you tell us about shrinkage, as they call it? Yeah, so I, I know this. I'm not super into retail because you know I'm a, I make products, but I, I know enough. And my understanding is that good shrinkage in a store is like 0.5%. And lately it's been pushing three, 5% and, you know, basically an order of magnitude increase. And that's a big problem because the stores are not going to lose money. They're going to insure against this. And so the insurance companies are going to charge more if the shrinkage increases and guess who pays the bill there? The consumer. The customer. Yes. Yes. Yeah. A lot of people don't realize what a lot of these policies, the, the, the price is kind of put down to the person buying products. And when you look at products, the price of them are, are, are going up dramatically. Right. Now, it's not just because of, you know, the, the kind of shrinkage, as the business calls it, but there's also a lot of other factors yeah, with sure. international trade, with supply lines that have been cut in 2020. Allegedly, now they're kind of sort of back to normal. But w- what are you seeing? Because a lot of people are predicting a lot of kind of instability in the mm-hmm. markets. There's a lot of talk, especially when it comes to the presidential debates about just totally weeding off and getting off of China mm-hmm. as a major kind of supporter and, and supplier of almost everything that we rely on. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think those kind of policies and what kind of insight could you provide us for, for something when it comes to this very specific issue that we hear politicians talk about that aren't really in the business world and don't really understand? Sure. So I guess we could talk about hidden costs that American consumers pay. Is that is that a good Yeah, that'd be interesting. absolutely, yeah. Yeah, so to talk about unhealthy food and seed oils and uh, soy and all these ingredients and all these foods, the reason why Frito-Lay is cheap is in part because of your tax dollars. And the way this works is that uh, GMO, conventional corn, and soybeans and all of these sort of like, ca- like pesticide-ridden cash crops are heavily subsidized by the government. This started after World War II. Because the farmers needed to be guaranteed, like the farmers needed to make food for the soldiers and for everyone else, 
and the government said, okay, you know, I know that it's risky. I know that farming, you know, you could have a good season this season, a bad season the next season. So the government decided to subsidize farms so they would continue producing food during the war. And then after the war, the farmers with their free money kind of liked that situation. And so the politicians in Illinois and Iowa and all these states, in order to get elected, had to continue these subsidies. And that continues through this day. So if you grow large cash crops, which almost invariably themselves are very poor quality or they go into very poor quality foods, you get government subsidies. So everyone will look at Lay's and be like, oh, uh, you know, Doritos or Lay's or something. It's so cheap on the shelf. Oh, my God. And then Moss chips, for example, are very expensive. But they don't understand that Lay's are cheap because their tax dollars subsidize the ingredients, basically handing Frito-Lay free money. It's not free. They paid for it, but they don't understand this. And that's why those unhealthy foods are so cheap. Yeah. And it's also creating monocropping and creating a, a farmland and, and uh, just farms that are absolutely depleted and a lot of minerals and nutrients that need to grow proper food. And this is why a lot of people are saying, hey, all the fruits and vegetables you're eating, they're, they're lower in, in nutritional value than they ever were before mm. because of these government subsidies, because the government comes in and says, no, you're just going to grow soy. You're just going to grow corn and we're going to bankroll all of it, which is absolutely crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And so people think, oh, we're getting a good deal because food is so cheap. No, your taxes are high because you're paying for that food. And in particular, what's a problem for health-oriented people who, you know, I would never give a dollar to Frito-Lay, right? I'm not buying any of their snacks. It's not something that I eat. It's not something that anyone in my family eats. But I'm still paying Frito-Lay because I'm paying taxes that then go fund subsidies for uh, big agriculture, which then Frito-Lay benefits from. Right. Which drives down their input costs, which gives them a competitive advantage yes. over healthy food. And then people go, oh, these food deserts. Oh, why can't we afford healthy food? It's like, yeah. well, you're being taxed. And, and keep in mind, too, he said it began after World War II. Can you think of any other big government programs that began after a, a larger war that then grew upon themselves and never went away? Can't think of a single one. Never, never happened before. No. I know it's absolutely crazy. And when you look at the entire food industry, there's just so many just videos after videos of, of this factory farming and this mm -hmm. factory. I mean, it is just absolutely freaking crazy. How do you set yourself different from uh, the other people in the industry? Because right now we're showing everyone yeah. how uh, crab sticks are made oh, <laughs> and we're showing oh, the, the, the huge amounts of, of just chemicals and substances that are kind of involved here that looks like akin to a meth lab in Breaking Bad. Yeah. And, <laughs> And that's how, that's how your food is made. People don't understand. Like, like, and, and like again, this is, this is that's something mass that... That's mass-produced. Yeah, that's, like, on a scale that's mass... I mean, I love crab sticks. Watching cool. this is kind of frightening. Yeah, especially when you watch They how, put ice in there to make it cold so that the seafood stays good. How do the chips come out? I don't out? think it's even seafood. It's just, like, white blocks <laughs> and blobs. It's Play-Doh. It's blobs. Yeah, it's, it's like literal blobs of freaking food that are just being lobbied in there and, yeah. uh, and, and shoved in there. So much of our... So much of our food has this consistency of plastic now. It's like, as I'm sure some of it is actual plastic, but it's just like, if, if you're looking at your food and it all looks like kind of like melted goo. That's what uh, it looks like. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're, you're probably yeah. not eating super healthy at that point, I would imagine. And then, then we go, why are heart attacks so common? It's like, well, yeah. you eat glue half of the time. Why is Chris Christie as, as plump as he is right now? <laughs> why is this man ha having so much struggles when it comes to his weight? And again, 
I don't I don't want to pick on the guy. We, we, oh, we I do. Yeah, okay, maybe you do. <laughs> uh, but maybe you do need to pick on him to to be quite honest with you because uh, again, your body is is essentially um, a, 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 a accumulation of all the choices and decisions that you make for it yeah, as an individual. You are what you eat. It, broadly, you are what you consume. So your you know your skin and your bones are made from the food that you eat, but also your brain and your psyche are constituted by the media yep. that you view and all that other th that whole rabbit hole but yep. i think the thing about food is you know natural foods gets thrown around a lot and so natural foods are good for you unnatural foods are bad for you well what sort of defines that distinction because then you know annoying people are going to be like well you know everything's natural just like oh everything's a chemical you know like chemistry class mm -hmm. like ridiculous arguments but an easy way to define it is that I eat computer processed chips. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like, what? Natural foods, a good way to define this, are foods that could be made without the use of modern electronic based technology, we'll call mm. it. So prior to the Industrial Revolution, can you make your food without any modern technology? Could you imagine your great, 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 great grandma in her cupboard in Nebraska or whatever making this thing? And if she can't, then it's not a natural food. And so for masa chips, for example, if I had a knife and a cast iron pot and a cornfield and a cow and a campfire, I can make moss chips. No electricity needed, no fossil fuels needed, no external supply chains, literally from within, you know, one acre of land and a bonfire. And I can a grandma. Make chips. Yeah, and a, and a, and a grandma to, to help, you know, slaughter the cow, cut up the fat, boil the fat to render it into tallow, take the corn. Mm. Grandma can husk the corn. You know, then we, we grind it up, we boil it. Um, form them into tortillas and then chop them and then fry them in my big cast iron skillet over the open fire. You know, I could make monster chips like that and it would be the exact same thing that comes out of this bag. Obviously, I don't do that because they're expensive enough as it is, but I could. Mm -hmm. And that's the distinction between us and, say, Frito-Lay snacks. You know, you can't make a Lay's potato chip without modern industry because what's the main, you know, you grow potatoes, right? You could slice them, you have a knife, but what do you fry them in? You can't make seed oils, which they're all fried in, without the industrial processes and the equipment, and the technology, and the hexane, and the solvents, and the deodorizing, and the bleaching, and all that stuff. You can't just go out to the field and make seed oils. Unless you take your engine a lubricant and yeah. then take it out of your car and then use that yeah, to fire up your food, which is absolutely crazy. Yeah, yeah right. which is insane, yeah. you know? Yeah, so that's, I think, the key distinction. I mean, we'll, uh, you know, if we're going to be the free to lay of real food, which we are one day, we're going to need to make things on a massive scale. But the point is, we still could make the exact same thing without that scale. Right. And the scale is just there to make it more, you know, inexpensive. Uh, question yeah. for you. I know it's it's impossible to know to the penny, but yeah. if the subsidies were removed from the sugar and corn and all these other... And soy. And, and, yeah, and all these other industries, um, how... how how much would that diminish the price gap between a Frito-Lay's product and a massive product? That's a really good question. I don't have a, I'm not positive on an answer for you, but I would ask. I don't know where we're getting a phone call. Sorry, I'm getting a call. Yeah, no I apologize for that. It's all good. Go ahead. I would estimate it's about a factor of two, but again, I'm not positive. And the only data point I have to go off of is it's related to farm subsidies. It's a celebrity guest. <laughs> Who is it? This Someone's call calling in. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, sorry, go cool. ahead. Yeah, related to farm subsidies, this whole idea of crop insurance. So there are farmers who, as long as they check off the boxes, oh, I sprayed this pesticide, I sprayed this fertilizer, I did this on this date, mm -hmm. I planted the seeds on this date. If the crops fail, 
they'll get an insurance payout. Yeah, they're they're being told exactly what to do and that and they're being paid for it. And yeah. actually a lot of these farmers can't even go on the fields because of the poisons that are being yeah. sprayed. Cancer rates are incredibly high among corn farmers. It's um, so sad. Well, the glyphosate lawsuits that are happening right now with Bayer and Monsanto, mm. those are huge as yeah. well. And the settlements that are happening there. Again, I, w- I want to get into to this, uh, but we are, we're going to have to save up uh, a yeah. lot of this conversation for mm. Rumble. Uh, we're almost there. We're going to transition there in a little bit. We got another uh, super chat here by Yunam, who says, why do you never talk about Vivek's shady past and the fraud he and his mom committed before rug pulling the investors he tricked with the fake FDA approval hype? Clint, I watched Dr. Shiva tell you about this, yet you never bring it up here on TimCast. This is not TimCast. This is the best political show.com. <laughs> and he asks I'll, I why. Can yeah. Yeah, Go ahead. I, I, because I've I've actually looked into it, and and while Vivek had uh, obviously, as with all drug development, you have a lot of failures. He had some real successes too, and and best I can tell, uh, he he had the ability to cash out at, when the stock was at its highest price. When when allegedly he was lying about the the research uh, behind that product that ended up failing, and he didn't sell out. So if he didn't sell out at the top. Then that does, that tells me personally that it wasn't a, a, an overt fraud, and if it were, he'd probably have been prosecuted. So, while I understand your your hesitancy to trust this guy, and I, I encourage you to maintain that skepticism. I think that uh, Dr. Shiva has, uh, you know, he's running for president, and and he views him as kind of his Indian, uh, you know, competition in the race. So. Just t- just realize that these guys both have political reasons for coming to the conclusions that they do. I've I've looked into it and I'm not I'm not convinced. So yeah. that's, that's also, the also uh, no, no one's perfect. You should never raise uh, anyone above yourself. You should be hypercritical of almost everyone in the industry if they're doing good work. If they have good uh, fruits of their labor, then of course you should promote those larger ideas and mm-hmm. incentives, and you should never fall for the cult of personality in any kind of political kind of saga. Um, I don't know how you feel about kind of uh, Vivek here, Stephen. He is from the kind of business world. He's kind of shaking things up. I don't know if you're able to hear what he has to say or his kind of larger business propositions. Mm. I, I don't know if uh, you, you might be enticed by that in, in any way or not. I've seen a few videos that surfaced on Twitter of just him speaking very well, like without notes, without a teleprompter, and just like actually talking well, like a politician, you know, of the olden days, mm-hmm. you might have expected that sort of performance from. But... I'm not super familiar. We could talk about it if you, sure. if you want. To he he sat in this later. chair about two weeks ago for oh, a wow. full hour and just let us grill him on anything you can think of. Wow. He did not shrink away from any of it. I understand everyone's hesitancy and skepticism about the guy. Maintain that skepticism. But that takes balls, folks, to sit there and let two radical anarcho capitalist <laughs> dudes to just grill you on everything. Like, what's up with the... Oh, I can't say any of this you stuff. You can't say any of this I'm stuff on YouTube. I'm not going to say any of this stuff. I'm not. Yes. I'm done. That's it. I'm just saying. It takes courage. How many other politicians are willing? Marianne Williamson, for God's sakes, won't come in here. I've been inviting this lady. She says, I'll talk to anybody except y'all. I was like, yeah, because you know that we're going to ask you real questions. Vivek is like, yeah, Clint, I've already been on your show multiple times. I've done Twitter Spaces with you. You ask me all of the craziest questions. I answer all of them all the time without a single delay at all and i'm going to go in there and do a live show with you for an hour there is no one in the political world like that aside from maybe dr shiva yeah marianne will williamson would be cool to talk about a lot of the the kind of hardcore political stuff but also she's into a lot of woo-woo stuff which oh, would be yeah. really fun to get into because yeah. she's she's out there she's like uh, on top of like ian level i was just when it comes to crystal her, yeah. her and yeah. ian together would be fireworks i think we sent masa to one of her events in la 
now that I think about it, I think I have pictures on my phone from that where they were like on stage and she was giving a speech. Makes sense. That's really awesome. Yeah. yeah and, and just for everyone to, to know, again, I reached out to, to you, Stephen. We reached out to your company and I'm like, hey, I, I, I was looking for, for chips that had no seed oils for months. I'm, and this is a true story. I'm not just trying to sell you guys anything here. But I'll be honest. Like, I, I was like, hey, I want to work with companies that do good stuff. I think you do good stuff. I really like your products. I really like your chips. We reached out to you, and we also set up noseedoilchips.com. We made our own website. Oh, I know that was, that was noseedoilchips.com? Noseedoilchips.com. We just oh. bought that domain. You should have got it, dude. You were, you were oh, yeah, I've, never, I've never seen this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, your no, company. did it today. I, just, I did it today. Nice. Yeah, yeah. No, your company created masachips.com forward slash Luke, and I'm like, I don't want that. I want noseedoilchips.com, uh, and then you yeah. get... Get ten percent off nice. of those chips when you, of course, use the promo code Luke. So we just nice. set up noseedoilchips.com uh, because, again, uh, I like companies that do cool stuff outside of the control grid matrix. I know it's difficult to do business, and I want to support businesses that I like that I that I want to work with. That mutually we can help each other out, and I see absolutely nothing wrong with that, especially if we're able to be transparent, open, and honest with each other, mm. because that's the way that that business and enterprise should be run in this country, and not with backroom deals and all this shadiness right. and all this bull crap. I want to be as transparent as I can to the audience. Yes, we get a cut when you go to noseedoilchips.com and that's because I want to work with this company. They do good stuff and I really do enjoy their chips personally myself and I'm like, hell yeah, finally, no freaking seed oils. I mean, it's been frustrating. Yes. Even at Whole Foods, even at all the hippie stores, I keep reading the ingredients and I'm like, canola oil, sunflower oil, flax. I'm like, Poison. I don't want any of this. Get out of here. Oh, but it's, it's high uh, oleic sunflower oil. I know. Oh, I'm like, ah, I don't, want any, I don't want any of that in my freaking body. So I want to work with companies doing good stuff. You're one of those companies. So I appreciate you coming out here last minute and us not even having a real conversation until now on yeah. camera with thousands and thousands of people watching us. So <laughs> well, yeah, I, appreciate I appreciate you coming into the lines then. We're going to switch over now from YouTube over to, of course, Rumble. You had something to say really quickly no i was just gonna say thank you appreciate oh, it i yeah, was yeah. and let me just also add it's not just mutually beneficial between these two it's also for you you get 10 percent off so it's it's a win-win-win no uh what's it no seed oil chips.com no seed oil chips.com we'll go. put that in the description and in the comment section as of course now we're going to get into the real kind of health conversation that right. we can't cool. on youtube youtube again uh, but there was a huge industry of individuals really doing some revolutionary stuff a couple years ago when it came to helping people with natural kind of remedies. Yes, there's a few kind of snake oil salesmen. Yes, there's a couple bad apples in the, in, in the industry. Yes, there's a couple of people that were wrong. But overall, the kind of holistic medicine space is filled with some really amazing, incredible individuals. And YouTube just obliterated that entire space a couple years ago because they talked about issues that big pharma didn't like, that a lot of big industries didn't like. And when they didn't do that, all of them had their channels deleted. They were downranked. They were demoted. They were demonetized. So just uh, just to be safe here, we're going to move this conversation over to rumble.com. We are currently right now on the front page. So if you go to rumble.com, all you have to do is click this third link here and you guys will be able to continue the conversation in an unfiltered, real, honest way, which we greatly appreciate you guys participating in. And then, of course, we still will be able to take Rumble Rants and your conversations that are started on, of course, mysuperchats.com. So again, if you haven't signed up yet on Rumble, you can get the app too. Get the app, click the notification button, sign up. We're almost, we're very close to 100K subscribers on there. We have a lot more on YouTube. 
It's going to take a while for us to kind of get everyone on YouTube. We reach, we reach 100K. We have a special surprise for Clint when that happens. He might, he might like it. He might not like it. <laughs> Definitely Find not out. Like it. <laughs> Find out once we get to 100K as, of course, we're going to have some really incredible shows ready for you next week as well. Uh, we're expanding this operation. It's been super fun. Then the following week, we, of course, will be with Tucker Carlson on stage Woo! at the TPUSA event. So stay tuned for that. I'm going to be filming a lot of behind-the-scenes content. I'm going to be talking to Tucker. I'm going to be talking to a lot of different individuals. There's a lot of really fun things that we have in hand and in store for you all coming up here on thebestpoliticalshow.com. Before we go off to Rubble, Stephen, uh, where can people find out more information about you and your company? Sure. You can follow me at ReallyTanMan on Twitter, TikTok, oh, sorry, X, TikTok and Instagram. And then our website is masterchips.com, M-A-S-A-C-H-I-P-S.com. Nice. Uh, at Liberty Lockpod on X and Liberty Lockdown, I'm suspended for another three weeks on this fine platform. But still, hit the subscription button and you'll catch me with the, the latest and greatest. Next week, I will be hosting for Luke while he's away. He will still be joining for a portion of it. But we will have on back-to-back-to-back uh, -back -back Anomaly, James Lindsay, Dave Smith. Going to be amazing. Don't miss it. Steph. You can find me on Instagram at Steph. We are change. Right, go over to Rumble. Uh, lots of videos, lots of talk about even an infamous Texo, Texas radio host coming back to the Twitter platform. That conversation, plus a lot more health, wealth, all of that right now on Rumble.com. I love you guys. See you over there right now. It's, of course, there is a 10 second delay that we're just going to wait here a little bit. I've got and... the documents. Black helicopters. <laughs> We are finally free and able to get into a lot of different issues. I have a lot of different stories pulled up here, but let's just, uh, Stephen, just get into the, the main kind of topics that we can't get into on YouTube. As, of course, seed oils are something that I've been kind of looking into for a very long time. There's a lot of debates about this. For me personally, before we get into all this other stuff that I really want to talk about, I, this is something that, that's a make or, make or break for me. This is something that I, I walk into my friends' and family's homes, and I'm like, what, what are you cooking with? What are you doing here? see that pantry and i'm like i'm like that's it that's going in the trash under your floorboards yeah, yeah absolutely <laughs> I, I damn right i i my my march in there i'm like oh no 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 no, we're not gonna have any poison <laughs> crap this. in here oh yeah she, no steph knows uh, I've my family seen it too so many times yeah. Dude, like, I, I walked in with a soda and luke almost fist fought me yeah damn right I don't <laughs> know, what is this sure. what is this aspartame. High, what is this aspartame high fructose corn syrup donald rumsfeld poison shit that you're bringing into my home that's right i don't want that low energy vibrational bullshit shit here all right i want some good shit here and uh that's well, why we have you here steven i'm 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 the ignoramus in this category so let me ask you a couple questions um sure. it, i've i've from my rudimentary understanding there's there's a lot of inflammatory markers that coincide with people that consume a lot of seed oils is that the primary reason is there is there more reasons oh there are way more reasons okay so depends on what people care about but mm. most people in, insofar as they care about health at all, care about it because they want to look good. They don't want to be fat. And seed oils make you fat. As we've eaten more seed oils, we've gotten fatter, and we continue to do so. I mean, even if you think about in the, like, in, when you were in high school, right? Probably 90s, 2000s, no one was fat. First year, fresh, first freshman year of college, for me, there were about like three fat kids out of like an 800 kid class. And then by the time I graduated, which was six years later, that's a whole other story, um, it was about 30%. And I'm just like mind blown. But in, in the dining hall, they cooked everything in soybean oil. You know, like they they were proud that they were moving to soybean oil. 
away from all these other more traditional fats. So what what is the what's the factors in it that make you fat? Yeah, so there's two reasons why it makes you fat. One is that seed oils don't shut off your hunger hormones like saturated fats do. Uh, so you're not satiated. Yes. So there's a very great lecture on YouTube about this from a, do- a guy by the name of Michael Eads at the Low Carb Denver conference from who knows, like 2000 something or other. And he has about an hour long lecture where he goes into the biochemistry of how seed oils are metabolized. And the punchline is that your body interprets seed oils as it does sugar. And if you've ever drank an entire sweet tea or a whole, like a half bottle of Coke or something, you know that you can eat a lot, a lot of calories of sugar without feeling full. That's just how it works because it feeds your brain, whatever your body wants more sugar. Especially all the artificial sugar that they engineered in a way where your body doesn't have that shot off vector as if if you eat natural fruits and berries, yeah. your body will tell you, hey, you're getting too much sugar. That yeah. natural shut off valve isn't there with all the artificial high fructose corn syrup shit that people consume in high fucking numbers. And it's absolutely crazy because I remember even me personally, myself, a couple years ago, I, I had the Arizona green tea. Yeah. There's 50 milligrams of sugar in that all high fructose corn syrup and i was like oh it's 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 green tea it's ginseng it's good for me and i was just chugging down all these green teas and then i'm like hey uh why am i so unhealthy (laughs) (laughs) to do that with honey your throat would hurt exactly second spoonful you know like natural foods have these sort of shut off mechanisms but the point punchline is your body likes sugar pure sugar it does not get full off of fat on the other hand fat is twice as calorie dense per gram as sugar So fat is nine calories per gram, sugar is four calories per gram. Because it's more calorie dense, your body recognizes it as like, hey, this is like real calories, like I'm gonna get full after I eat a certain amount of this. And that is only true though for saturated fats. So Mm -hmm. seed oils full of polyunsaturated fats, which is like the type of fatty acid that they contain, those things mimic, like your body interprets them as it does sugar. But they have the same calories as fats do. So you can just keep eating. So you can just keep eating them, and they're twice as calorie dense. And so, you know, th- there was a study that, like, examined this, and Michael Leeds talks about this in the video. The kids, kids, ate about 300 more calories per meal than they would have otherwise uh, relative to, like, a saturated fat and a carb. Makes sense. So, yeah, kids, right? Imagine adults, three meals a day for 30, 40, 50 years. Right. How many excess calories are you consuming? So everyone talks about calories in, calories out. It's, like, a pretty oversimplistic, not exactly how it works, but, like, Whatever. It's a useful model in a certain way. The, the thing that it calories in, calories out doesn't, you know, talk about is metabolism. How much, how much energy are you burning just by existing, right? And so you have, with seed oils, you have more calories coming in. And they also lower your metabolism because of the fact they're inflammatory, which creates a stress response. They also increase estrogen, which is also slowers your meta- uh, sl- slowers, slows your metabolism. So now and, you have... it releases insulin too, I'd, I'd imagine. Um, well, yeah, yeah. So a lot of the insulin sensitivity people go on the keto diet and whatnot. Right. Like they don't cure themselves unless they get rid of seed oils too. Ah, uh, interesting. Yeah. So because of the whole like I'm eating a ton of calories, right. but I'm not getting full, like that whole mechanism. So yeah, your hormones get all messed up. Your body's basal metabolic rate slows down. So not only are you consuming more calories, you're burning fewer of them. And a very That's important a- piece of you know research in this regard is like you know everyone's temperature is 98.6 degrees, right? You learned this in first grade. That's not actually true. It was true about 100 years ago. But nowadays, people's body temperature is about 97.5 degrees. Hmm. That's like the average, right? That's the average American. And you think, oh, it's just like a one and a half degrees or whatever. It's not that big of a deal. But it's about like 30% closer to hypothermia than 98.6 because the hypothermia is like 95. 
So it's like a huge drop in body temperature over about 100 years. Is, is that evidence of mitochondrial Yes, yeah, so that is evidence of slower metabolism. Right. Because your, your metabolic rate is what gives you the fire, right? Yeah, yeah. As, yeah. As, wow. Yeah, and so like the fire is heat, right? Like your metabolism is a combustion engine. That's you, fascinating. You ingest uh, hydrocarbons and you expel carbon dioxide and water. You're a combustion engine. And so the heat that you produce is lower. And so as a byproduct of this, brain functioning decreases, digestion decreases, um, all of the things that make humans human, all of that is lost when your metabolism metabolism slows. Hmm. And so those are, you know, in combination, the two reasons why seed oils make you so fat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It also creates imbalances with the omega-3s and the omega-6s, high inflammatory markers. And this all started with, with kind of Crisco, just kind of yes. introducing essentially engine lubricant and byproducts of, of freaking waste products that they have to process in so many freaking horrible ways. Yeah. And then they put it in everything. Yeah, so it started yeah, with yeah. the cotton seeds. Exactly. Right? The cotton gins, textile industry was a big industry in America at the time. Seeds from the cotton plant were this huge waste product. They didn't know what to do with them. And so the person who invented the, the seed oil extraction technology in, I believe, late 1800s tested it first on cotton seeds because that was the waste product they needed to, to profit from. And it wasn't, it wasn't good enough back then because Americans did not cook with any sort of oil. A hundred years ago, Americans cooked with lard, butter, and tallow. And that was pretty much it. The Italians hadn't shown up with their olive oil yet. There was no avocado oil. Freaking, there was no coconut oil, right? That became a thing in the 90s. So all there was were solid fats, butter, tallow, and lard. And so an oil, which was extracted from cotton seeds, was not sellable to the American public. No one wanted to cook with oil. They thought it was, you know, it should belong in a candle or engine lubricant or something. And so it wasn't until they figured out how to solidify the cottonseed oil and make it solid at room temperature, just like butter is. And that's when they were able to finally sell it, and they called it Crisco. And that was in, I believe, 1924. Yeah, okay. And then ever since then, you look at the rates of diabetes, heart disease, and overall kind of uh, heart uh, death-related mortalities through the freaking roofs. And they're still going up. Now, uh, your chips are filled with, of course, good fats, beef tallow, uh, which is freaking awesome. Um, what other kind of things are you seeing in the industry that are kind of poisonous out there? Because I, I, I wanted mm. to, to talk to you because my perspective, and you might think that this might be too much of a radical perspective, sure. and you, you could tell me what you think from your analysis, but from what I'm seeing out there, I see a full-fledged biological warfare against the people of this world by huge corrupted industries that want you fat, sick, and dead. That's my point of view. That's my take. Well, they don't want it, you dead because you stopped paying the money. They want you close to death <laughs> close so to they could still bleed you to death and tax <laughs> wow, you so yeah. you could just work just enough just to be uh, productive, just for them to be able to take something off of. But yeah. and George Carlin made a better reference to this than I'm making right now. And they want you, of course, just there, right in that perfect kind of suffering middle where they could have and control you as best as they can. Do you believe there's a larger biological war against the people of this world? Yeah, so it's. I think the incentives are very complicated. Um, it's very easy to point the blame at large corporations and their poisonous practices and all this stuff. But at the same time, no one's forcing the American public to buy Frito-Lay. There's no Frito-Lay representative coming to your house with a gun saying, hey, go buy this or I'll kill you. If the American public wanted, Frito-Lay could be bankrupt within a week. You know, we are volunteers. It's not like taxes, right? That's a, and that's a whole other discussion. But it's not like we have to, you have to pay taxes. Have to. But... You, ha- you, know, you don't have to buy free-to-lay products. You don't have to buy junk food. And so the fact that people support this company and give them their money um, is what gives free-to-lay, just like any business, its signal as to what to do. People 
don't want to buy $6 bag chips, which ours are, which is why we're small. Or a lot of people don't want to. But people want to buy 20 cent bags of chips, and they'll do that day after day. And because they want to do it, they're funding the beast that is therefore poisoning them. But they have, they have just as much responsibility as Frito-Lay does because they're the ones giving them the money. If they didn't like it, vote with your dollar. Stop buying it, and then Frito-Lay would change its policies, right? A- absolutely. That's a, that's a point that we bring up here from a kind of anarchistic point of view myself, being mm-hmm. like, hey, uh, you know, a lot of this evil stuff, we're incentivizing. We're actually yeah. adding to it. We're contributing to it, and it wouldn't happen if it wasn't for our direct participation in this system that we are propping up with us playing along and buying their crap. We could stop all that, and you're absolutely right, because it makes, uh, it ma- makes it very important to what you do inside of that supermarket. You could go to the bad supermarkets, you could buy the poison, you could poison yourself, you could have huge medical bills, mm-hmm. or you could actually go out of your way and look for companies that are doing good things that actually help you in the long run, and and, and let's just be real here, save you a bunch of money since... Yeah. You're, you're offsetting those costs, which you're probably going to have to pay for at the hospital later down in your right. life with all the diseases that you're going to be dealing with after you voluntarily gave your money to some evil, messed up corporations that bamboozled you and fooled you through, of course, disinformation and propaganda campaigns. As, of course, seed oils are heart healthy, right. according to the federal government, which is absolutely absurd. And it pisses me off because I, I, I see so many young children. And, and, and this is uh, an argument that kind of counters this kind of uh, free market libertarian kind of perspective that, mm-hmm. that we have here that I, we also counter and call out ourselves. You know, how do you address the situation where parents are just giving this to their children when children are just given freaking huge bottles of Coca-Cola yeah. Cola, given those freaking tortilla chips with seed oils and, and, and GMO corn and all that, how do you deal with that larger kind of issue and e- problem? Even worse, baby formula in the U.S. is required to contain seed oils. Yep. Yep. Like, yep. it's not an option because seed oils are considered an essential part of a balanced diet, and it's like one of the nutrients that you need. And so if you're going to label a product as baby formula and sell it in the U.S., it must contain seed oils. No way. Yep. That's fucking it's, crazy. It's required. it's required. I mean, why can't you just make a product that's different and still formulated for baby? Because so, the government won't allow it and they'll yeah, ban so, it. So I actually know, I, for, I always forget the name of this company, but I know, a, I know a company that does this. They make good baby formula, but they sell it as infant formula. It's called infant formula on Amazon on their website because they will FDA will basically shut them down if they call it baby formula because it does not contain seed oils. See, so yep. this, this is where... You know, I, I broadly agree with both of you when it comes to like personal responsibility and that ultimately mm-hmm. we could put Frito Lays out of business. But the, the truth is that the, it's there's really an unholy alliance between the biggest corporations in human history and the biggest governments in human history working in tandem to make it so that you can't create competitors and they also are responsible for our, our public education. There are also mm-hmm. multiglomerates that own the media apparatus by which we get most of our information and our news, which is really just propaganda. So like, well, well, I agree, it, you know, we have access to the internet, we ought to be self-educating, we ought to be self-correcting. Uh, the truth is, it's an uphill it's an uphill grind and a yeah. lot of people don't have the time, energy, resources, oh, yeah. and money to go and buy healthy food and they're just like, Well, I'm gonna get the Frito Lays because it's a fucking quarter, Clint. That's why I'm gonna get it. Yeah. And yeah, sure my kid's gonna be fat, but I can't afford it because inflation because the central bank I mean, they don't even know the reasons why, right. but you know, but, but the kind of argument is that okay, your your kid's going to be fat. They're gonna eat more food, they're gonna need more calories, yeah. you're gonna spend more money yeah, overall you're because you're eating empty fucking poisonous calories, and but then, then you're full. gonna have to bring your kid more. to the fucking dentist because yeah. they're teeth 
they're going to be all fucked up. Then you're going to have to bring them to the dietitian and the doctor because yep. they're going to be all, their heart's going to be all slowed down and all messed up. But and then, then the cost of that is going to be passed down, even though you think you're saving in in, in, in a quick way. But, which but, is and ridiculous. people think, oh, I have insurance, I'm not going to pay for it. But it's like you could be getting that money from your employer as part of your salary sure. if it didn't go to like inflated insurance costs. Right. And, so and, people and, are paying for it. Yeah. And it, as I said to start off, I agree with you guys. This is still a personal responsibility issue. My point is that people's minds are actually being formulated by these corporations and the government working in tandem. So it's and like, it's not just that. They're also becoming addicted to a lot yeah. of the substances exactly. that are chemically engineered in a way to have them hooked on it exactly. like fucking drugs. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. And, that, and that's why like, like when you see someone who's addicted to drugs, like your first rea- reaction, or I mean, my first reaction is usually like, well, you should stop doing drugs. But my second reaction is like, <laughs> I understand that you're addicted. Like I know I've, I've seen addiction. I, I understand this is challenging. Then you have to have kind of an empathetic approach to try and get them out of that, that cycle of self-destruction. I feel like the vast majority of people are in a cycle of self-destruction. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, I don't know what the approach is other than to get the motherfucking government to stop subsidizing these toxins, which are mm-hmm. destroying people. But also well, having these conversations is important providing them oh, the information sure, sure. and also living a life as an example to something that, that people could True. use as a representative mm-hmm. that, that they could be influenced by. We have a, a member's chat that said, uh, this is from Tuk Ek, saying, vegan shit sucks, eat meat. Yes. <laughs> now, now, sure. uh, very simply put, facts, uh, dude, but, but I, I wanted to get your take on this because a lot of people are kind of hypothesizing that the carnivore diet is as effective as it is helping a lot of people deal mm-hmm. with a lot of their ailments, specifically individuals like Michaela Peterson that are big proponents of it deal with a lot of autoimmune issues that she had when she just switched over just to raw meat was predominantly because she's not cooking any longer with a lot of the inflammatory mm-hmm. chemicals. She's not cooking with a lot of the artificial chemicals. She's not putting seed oils in her food. She's literally, and I was around her when she did this, just just took a steak and literally put it in a fryer, took the steak out and just ate it there. Wow. And a lot of people, and that's all she eats. All she does is she, she eats meat. Um, so a lot of people argue that the carnivore diet is successful mainly because not just because of the meat and the vitamins mm-hmm. and nutrients that are there, but because you're avoiding the modern kind of Western diet filled with oats yeah. and and corn and soy. So what would you say about that? Yeah, I think that's actually true about most popular diets because the most people adopt a popular diet from the standard American diet. And so whatever your diet is, it's almost always going to be better than what you were eating beforehand. And so this is why you have vegans, uh, many of whom you know get really excited and adamant about their diet and like they think it's so good for them. Because they were eating crap, and then now they're eating like organic plants and like, or they're which basically fasting, right? <laughs> you're, not, yes. you're not getting actual nutrients. You're not actually eating, um, and so they feel good for a time. That's but that's the key. It doesn't last forever, but they feel good because they got rid of a whole bunch of crap that they were eating. Um, I think the so yeah, the carnivore diet is probably good relative to the standard American diet because of that experience of like getting rid of the crap. But over the long term. Most carnivore people don't seem to stick with a pure carnivore diet. And uh, I think that's like true with any of the very restrictive diets out there, whether you have veganism too. It's like terminal veganism or whatever they call it. Like five to seven years is the max that any reasonable person would ever be able to survive while being a vegan. And if you talk to former vegans, it's often, oh yeah, I was vegan for five years. I was vegan for seven years. And then their body just broke down. And then they get drunk and then there's a hamburger place. And then they have that juicy hamburger and they're like... Uh, you know, it's okay because I drank and I'm not going to remember all this, but yeah. then, you know. Optional veganism. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah, I mean, I personally, I have done the carnivore diet for about nine months. Uh, I think it was maybe fine for a short amount of time, 
But without eating carbohydrate sources and without eating plants, you make yourself weaker. Um, I think for me, at least, health is all about resilience. You want to be as strong as possible. You don't want to be getting sick all the time. You don't want to look at a piece of lettuce and then have to run to the bathroom because you can't digest fiber anymore. If you don't eat a certain food, your ability to digest that like almost like disappears because digestion happens due to the bacteria in your gut, which die for lack of food. Interesting. And so after the carnivore diet uh, for nine months, if I ate like lettuce or, you know, a tomato or something, I would poop out tomato or I would poop out lettuce, you know, and like my microbiome did not exist to digest those things. So it's not personally what I want. Maybe some people might want that, but the fragility of digestion, which is uh, caused by the car- a pure carnivore diet, as well as an extended period of low carbohydrates is not seem to be conducive for good metabolic health or ideal brain functioning. Uh, so I, I don't personally do a strict carnivore diet, but yeah, eating meat is great. And you should yeah, I, I tell people personally, you got to do what is right for you yeah. as an individual. A lot of people in the chat room are mention are mentioning fasting and I'm like, okay, even if you fast, I know Dana White uh, recently came out and he recommended a three day water fast. Uh, but even if you're fasting, you got to be careful with things like H pylori, which a lot of people have mm-hmm. that of course destroys yeah. their stomach lining and creates bloody ulcers. And uh, a lot of people have it and then don't know it. And then when you fast, those bloody ulcers are made that much worse. So there's so many things that you need to do for yourself on an individual level. You can't just be like, yeah. hey, I'm going to do this because it's popular. Uh, because you know your diet also depends on you as an individual. Yes. So some things that are good for you and might nutritionally benefit you as a human being might really hurt someone else because they're allergic to it. So just because someone says, hey, just eat this and nothing else yes. doesn't mean that you should always do it. You should do what your body reacts to itself the best. So yeah. for me personally, uh, this morning, uh, what Woke up, went, you know, did my like little health routine, eggs, right? Mm-hmm. A little bit of fermented food, sauerkraut, uh, kimchi. Nice. Uh, my meal, uh, ground beef with uh, more pickles, olives, and um, I had to, I had to scuff it down because uh, someone, someone showed up late, and then I wasn't able to. That's, full, that's full why. Eat. I'm just joking. I'm just busting <laughs> your balls right now. Venison, uh, actually, yeah. is venison. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you oh, know, nice. well, venison, right. venison, ground beef, and then you know it, that that's what I personally like. Sometimes I have cheat meals, and then when I have cheat meals, um, fuck, I feel sluggish. I yeah. feel horrible, and well, I'm what, like, what holy fucking meals? cow. What are your cheat meals? So well, one of my cheat meals is a, a, a Papa John's The Works pizza mm. with extra white Alfredo sauce, usually stuffed crust with <laughs> pepperoni and cheese in it. He goes and, hard in the paint. And listen, listen, if you're gonna if you're gonna fucking go fucking cheat meal, go have a fucking cheat <laughs> yeah, meal, right? Perfect. So you, ever, people, you ever seen The Rock's cheat days? No, 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 no. I don't oh, think I want to. But 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 a lot of people <laughs> a lot of people say if you're gonna cheat, you should actually do it because it actually challenges your system to kind of prepare it for itself again that's the ideology my ideology is you can't be too strict you got to have some fun in life 80 20 rule sometimes i just want to fucking binge out on some pizza but when i do i get i get i get psoriasis i i I get like itchy face and these things coming out and i'm like what the fuck just what the fuck and i correlated it with the papa john's fucking pizza and i'm like every time i eat this papa john's fucking pizza i don't know what they do i was going to blast out a tweet soon kind of blasting them because um they did change the ingredients a lot of big companies are cheapening the ingredients, uh, but they changed something because this never happened before. But every time now I have that pizza, literally break out in hives on my fucking face. And I'm like, mm. what the fuck? So that's not, that's used to be my cheat meal. A couple days ago, I had it broke out in hives. Never again. I'm not doing that shit again. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, Quick ob- obligatory libertarian interjection. Uh, the primary driver for all of these companies started to go towards cheaper and cheaper input and material costs is the inflation that we're languishing under, which is a product of money printing and the interest rate manipulation from the Federal Reserve. Sorry, go ahead. 
Yeah, no, I mean, they people are not going to buy their products at a higher price. That's why they and do it. so they have to cut costs, right? Yep. Again, going back to the consumer's role in all of this, you get to dictate what the companies do by paying for the things that you like. But aside from all that, it's interesting about the cheat meals. These things shouldn't exist, right? There's a big misconception that I see a lot where people think, oh, this thing that I love that tastes good, oh, it's going to be bad for me, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cheat, whatever, 20% of the time. Big part of my health philosophy is you don't actually have to do that. You can eat the things that you like that you might consider cheating, but if they're made correctly, as they might have been made 200 years ago, it's not cheating, and it's probably a health food. Take chips, for example, not to keep harping on this, but you've eaten Moss chips, right? Yeah, yeah, no, it's how, important. How, That's how why they, you're here, because because like yeah. you have a good product. We how reached out to you. How do they compare to Tostitos? Yeah, they're fucking awesome. They, they, taste, they taste so better. much better compared right. to like the Tostitos crap. So that is you that eat. cheating? Yeah. No, right? That's, that's what I'm saying, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, okay, pizza. You have Papa John's pizza, probably got... Uh, brominated, like synthetic, uh, you know, synthetic folic acid, you know, glyphosate filled bread, meat, right? Uh, enriched, you know, you have Bleached your commercial weird GMO strain of yeast to rise the dough. You have your pesticide tomatoes. You have your seed oils in the cream sauce. You have, God knows what, you know, horrendous garbage is in there. But let's let's make an ideal pizza, right? Let's take a hundred percent ancient grains grown organically in nutrient dense soil. Let's freshly mill them. Let's ferment them with sourdough. Let's take some organic tomatoes from my garden. Let's pull in some basil from the plant I keep on my sink. Let's take, uh, you know, oregano that I bought from Sicily. And let's take some real extra virgin olive oil. Um, you know, raw milk mozzarella cheese from the milk from the cows in my backyard eating the grass that I don't spray pesticides on because why people do that beyond me. Anyway, I digress. Take all that and combine it into a pizza. You know, take the bacon from the pig that you keep in the bar, you know, in the shed that eats your compost, you know. Add all that up. What do you get? Is that a cheat meal? It tastes even better than Papa John's, and it's not a cheat meal. It's probably good for you. And so this is the real thing that I think people need to you know, adopt in health and in food in general. It, we have to stop with this idea of like, oh, this is a tasty thing that's bad for me, and it's cheat, or this is a healthy thing that I'm going to suffer through. Mm -hmm. The right foods are both delicious and healthy, and you don't have to give them up. We've been forced, this like dialectic has been forced on us by an industry which created fake things from thin air, which shouldn't even exist on this earth. And that has created this perception, especially in Americans' minds, that things which taste good must be bad for me because I feel bad after eating them. But you eat the pizza I just described, you won't have any breakouts, you won't have any psoriasis, you'll feel fine, you'll feel good. Makes you'll sense. have actual nutrients yeah, coming yeah. in. And I see people in the comment section be like, psoriasis is an autoimmune issue. Then why the fuck do I get it every time I eat that fucking pizza? Okay? Because <laughs> I used to wake up and I'm like, okay, why? oh, fuck, I got this again. What happened here? I just correlated it recently uh, with this cheat meal. So you're right. Never again. Uh, you learn your lesson. And, yeah, and this again, is what I recommend. Not, you can't eat pizza. Just make it the right way. Exactly. And this is what I recommend people do all the time. Test out different things and keep a journal and try to look out things. Even if, if it comes to supplements, take supplements for two weeks and calculate mm -hmm. and, and then see where you are at. See if you're actually having an impact with this or even if it's a net negative because sometimes a people take the wrong vitamins, yeah. the wrong supplements. They think they're doing the right thing, but they're actually poisoning themselves. So many examples yeah. of this. And this take is why I tell people, hey, do uh, get your blood levels checked. Yeah. Make sure you know where your body's at. Uh, work at your gut biome. I think gut biomes are the second brain. And I think this is why so many people are dealing with mental health issues right now mm -hmm. because their guts are directly being blasted by many doses of antibiotics every time they consume some glyphosate mm -hmm. and every time that good bacteria is just absolutely freaking destroyed you look like you did a lot of research when it comes to good back good um, gut bacteria 
Personally, I eat a crap ton of fermented food. Pickles, olive oils, yeah. kimchi, sauerkraut. Um, what is that white, like, a cold salad, coleslaw? I eat, I eat all that <laughs> as much here's as I can. Another, here's another yeah. trick. A lot of the things that you think are fermented foods aren't fermented. <laughs> wow, we're going deep down the rabbit hole. So, yeah, go ahead. No, so pickles, us. right? Fermented cucumbers. If it's in vinegar, it's bad. Right. So <laughs> pickles, the way you ferment foods is you take a vegetable and you soak it in salt water, basically. And the salt creates a hostile environment for bad bacteria. And it allows the good bacteria that are naturally present on the surface of the plants to proliferate and grow. And these are lactic acid bacteria, which produce, shockingly, lactic acid. And lactic acid is sour. And that's why the things taste sour. That's why they taste sour and they're salty. There's probiotics swimming all over and they are naturally preserved. This is how it's supposed to be done. But modern industry, of course, when people showed up from Europe where fermented, Eastern Europe where fermented foods were popular. Um, that's, that's my people. That, I literally go to like the Slavic store. I'm like, this is where I, I want my pickles. <laughs> nice. Yeah. yeah, well, yeah. So, so yeah, people came over. America, you know, Brooklyn, New York, whatever, were way more people than you ever had in the village back in Eastern Europe. And so now we have to make pickles, but we need a lot more pickles and we need to make them faster. And fermenting takes too long. It's too variable. It changes, you know, it's, it's subject to the weather, right? If it's warmer out, it happens faster. If it's colder, it happens slower, all these problems. So what do we do? Well, pickles are really just a salty, sour cucumber. What if we just soak them in vinegar and salt? And that's what they did. No probiotics, no fermentation, no bacteria, none of it. Just, it, it seems the same. It mimics the taste and feel of a pickle. It looks like a pickle, but it's not a pickle. It's and like margarine. Yes. Instead it looks of butter. Like butter, not butter. You, you taking notes here, Clint? I sure am. Okay, good. Yeah. All right. No, modern, no, you're absolutely right. Modern the modern industry in general is very good at this. Like this table, no offense. Looks like wood, not wood. It's right. plastic. Plastic. And then it also leaches as well. Yeah. And and then there's horrible chemicals, especially with cars, especially new cars, that new car smell, really toxic, yeah. really bad for you, filled with PFAs and filled like, with plastics on the as well. Like looks like leather, not leather. I, I wanted to get um headphones with actual leather cups on them. And I, I went to headphones.com, which is a mistake. I don't know if you've ever been on that. No, I haven't. It's a mistake. You know, if you, th if you thought you couldn't spend $2,000 on a pair of headphones, well, news for you. You yes. can't. The cheapest pair of headphones they had with actual leather cups were $650. Wow. And it's like, but it's weird because every headphone wants you to think that the cups are made of leather. Right, they could have chosen any way of you know, presenting what the cups look like. There's a million fake materials, but they wanted you to think it was leather. That's why it looks like this, but it's not. It looks like leather, not leather. So many things in the modern world are like this. And so if the, the grand project of fixing modernity is really just about finding all the fake shit that looks like the real thing but isn't the real thing, deleting it, and just making more of the real thing. Exactly. It's, and very, it's very challenging, though, because the advertisers obviously are, are trying to sell us these products that are fake that we think are real. So it's like, hey... Uh, without becoming some fucking food chemist, is there a cheat sheet or a you know a fast pass to figure this out? Well, you this is this is the real challenge, and this is why I think health and you know I, I don't know what you want to call this, but like real living, if you will, has been sort of on the sidelines for so long because it takes a pretty autistic amount of dedication and you know years going down rabbit holes, spending time figuring this out to to even like get halfway there to right. know what to eat and what not to eat and all this other stuff. Um, that's a big problem because most people are unable or unwilling to do that. Hmm. But and going back to what we were saying before about, you know, consumer knowledge or whatever, most people are unable or willing to do that. And that's okay. That's how people are. You know, you think the peasant in medieval Europe was like, you know, was obligated to learn how to, you know, what to eat and all these things. Like they just knew, cause it's like the sort of ancestral wisdom 
that's been passed down and preserved and the people who figure this stuff out whenever they figured it out like promoted the right way of living so it's not incumbent upon the everyday people to figure all this shit out what it's really an indictment of is our social leaders who are given you know by the social contract this position of responsibility and privilege to guide us the normal people in how to properly live and they have completely abused and exploited that role and instead of actually, you know, serving us as public servants are supposed to, and this includes business leaders too. This is just like sure. the modern business leader is like a, a successor to the aristocratic feudal lord of medieval Europe who, you know, owned the land that the peasants worked on. It's the same concept. Their responsibility is to lead and guide everyday people, but they don't do it. And because the people can't do it themselves, like who's got the freaking time, you know? What do you mean can't the do people can't do it themselves? This is the situation we end up. I feel like everyone is responsible for their own whatever they put in their own mouth. Like, yes, there's some brainwashing, and yes, we need to be more educated. And but we have to, it's our responsibility well, to go figure but, that but out. But people are literally addicted to, to freaking crack. Like, yeah. like this is like the crack epidemic that the CIA introduced into the black communities. But now we have the you know high fructose corn syrup, aspartame, and and all these other seed oils that they're introducing to everyone, and and essentially depleting their life source. We got another comment here from, from Tuket saying the majority of this country is addicted to high fructose corn syrup and aspartame. I would agree with you. There's mm -hmm. also a lot of talk specifically with Zins now, as a lot of people are looking for nicotine for neurotropic benefits. But when you're taking Zins, and I talked about this on LukeUnfiltered.com. Zins actually have aspartame and you're allowing aspartame to go into your bloodstream by taking it through your gums when you're thinking you're just taking nicotine. No, you're taking artificial sweeteners that Donald Rumsfeld approved. And again, I could rant about this stuff all day long. We do have a call from uh, Dick Dickerson. If you are a member of LukeUnfiltered.com, you get the access and ability to call in. So if you want to call in, make sure you go into the secret Telegram channel as, of course, we're going to go to Mr. Dick Dickerson, who wants to call in and ask us a question. Uh, Telegram is booting up, encrypting the messages. So um, in between then... Um, Last thing, if people yes. are interested in an actual nicotine sort of mechanism, uh, Knickknack Naturals has a pretty decent product. Nice. Is that something that you, you consume? Uh, Not nicotine? that frequently, but, you know, when the time is, yeah. when is, the it time a chew is right. Or? No, it's like a little mint. It just dissolves. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Tucker Carlson keeps talking about this all the time. He's like, you know, he's he's like addicted to these Zins yeah. that he keeps taking yeah, like six milligrams. They're much, much, uh, much cleaner product. I'm, or I'm, not, I'm not definitely going to recommend it to him. I was going to buy him uh, Zin holsters. Um, <laughs> cool. And uh, I was going to say, hey, uh, don't go and don't take this. Dick Dickerson, it looks like you are joining us. Can you hear us? Okay, we might be having some audio issues. It looks like you are hauling a truck. You told us that you are hauling food around this country, but we do not hear you, uh, Mr. Dick Dickerson. I don't know if you want to pull over to make sure you're not going to, uh, uh, of course, uh, get into any accident, but you might have to change your audio settings so we could hear you. There's settings on the left top hand corner of Telegram that you got to get into to make sure that the audio quality is coming in through or you might be going through a, a dead zone. But uh, we cannot hear you, uh, Mr. Well, Dick Dickerson. Well, while we wait for him. I'll tell you a quick story. In my 20s, uh, I got super out of shape, you know, worse shape than Luke thinks I'm in right now. Uh, <laughs> he, he's, he's in pretty bad shape, guys. We, we could we could do we could do we could do better here. Uh, let's just be honest. Hey, if you if you if you if you if you if you, if you care about somebody, 
You'll tell him the truth. If if you care about somebody, you call him a fat fuck every day. Uh, so I, I fasted for uh, almost 14 days wow. straight water fast. And um, obviously I lost a ton of weight. But what I what I found uh, from it that was more surprising was the the mental clarity that came with it, the ability to uh, get off of alcohol, nicotine, everything like because I had just allowed my body to totally reset. It, it really it really grounded me and put me on a, on a really solid foundation from which I got into the best shape of my life over the next couple of years as I started to, to hit the gym and things like that. So um, I don't, you don't have to go that extreme. 14 days is a very long time to only consume water, uh, but past three days of any fast in my life has always been a breeze. That's just the first 72 hours that are a nightmare. After that, you're not hungry at all. You don't even think about food. It's really a remarkable thing. And I think it's a good idea for most people to do that once every three or four years uh, from what I've read when you're in that fasting state your body's the first thing it'll consume is cancer cells and and fat and like things in your body that are unnecessary um so it's a good good opportunity to kind of like reset your framework especially if you have uh, metabolic issues yeah i would fasting is a pretty traditional tool that's been used for good or ill by many civilizations if you can't speak up to the microphone yeah sorry about that um yeah fasting is pretty wild in what it can do uh, I definitely think some people overdo it. Sure. Um, like 14 days yeah, is probably you're, you're, overdoing no, it. No, like that's like a life <laughs> transformational event. Right. right. You did that and then it was like in your early 20s and like things turned around. Like mm-hmm. that's really cool. But for example, I had IBS for probably two years longer than I would have otherwise if I had just eaten breakfast. I was like intermittent mm-hmm. fasting is great. I'm skipping breakfast. And that going back to Luke, what you were saying about H. pylori, it exacerbated my like gut overgrowth, like bio uh, bacteria overgrowth. And so I was never able to heal myself from IBS while skipping breakfast over that time. Interesting. So there's definitely downsides too. But, you know, the long transformational thing, especially for more spiritual reasons, is right. uh, is is very powerful and not without its benefits. Absolutely. You, you want to no, give no, Dick no. a shot? Um, we're telling uh, Dick Dickerson to speak up and to change his audio settings. And uh, we might have to call you back, Dick. We got Solid Snake who wants to call in as well. So we're going to go to Solid Stake right now and then get more information about him. But since we're on Rumble, hey, uh, the shits you take are a big indicator of your health. You got some shitty shits, you're fucked, dude. Like, you seriously need to work on your gut. You need to work on your stomach. You need to work on your diet. And if you don't, um, and if you're having some really... If, if, you're, if your bowel movements, like, scare people away because of the fucking smell and sound, like... You're not in good health, bro. You got to take care of your uh, your uh, crap, literally and figuratively. You hear that, Clint? <laughs> yeah, right? Dude. You got it? My shits are great, Luke. Thank you. I don't know. <laughs> are, are they? Are they? I, I, I take a shit sometimes. I'm like, wow, that's a great shit. <laughs> that's fucking awesome. Like, this yeah, is Yeah, there's, I'm forgetting the name, but there's like a scale of like how to rank poop. Yes, I did and that. I I, and like, I looked at that. Yeah. I looked at that. And then the, there's specific biomarkers yeah. and how it's supposed to. Yeah, like, it goes from like <laughs> one diarrhea. <laughs> Yeah. Sorry, uh, Solid Snake, can you hear us? Uh, we could hear you. You might want to turn off your computer audio and um, feel free to ask us a question. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah I wrote down some questions. Let's see. Okay, first question I wanted to ask was uh, spared me. Um, how bad is it? And if you intake it currently, are there things you can do to um, mitigate? It's negative effects. He's asking about aspartame. Yeah. yeah. So everyone knows about moonshine, I presume, and how it made hillbillies in Alabama blind, like back in the Prohibition era. Also responsible for the start of NASCAR. 
Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, Anyways, there yeah. was the early bootleggers. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um. So anyway, as uh, the reason why moonshine makes you blind is because if alcohol is fermented and produced improperly, you get a lot of methanol in addition to just ethanol, which is the alcohol that people are supposed to drink. And methanol is toxic, and is a neurodegenerative chemical, and it makes you go blind. And half of the aspartame molecule is methanol. Oof. Wow. Yes. Okay. So probably not a good idea. Okay. Uh, there's just also, there's like no reason for it, right? Sugar, like natural, for sugar from natural sources is not bad for you when your body is being used in a way that can make use of it. Like at chess tournaments, the grandmasters and wherever the hell they are in, in Europe competing, they'll drink like fruit juice and eat candy bars and whatever. And they like lose weight over the three or five days of a tournament because their brain is using so much energy. Interesting. You know, everyone always, you know, about computers, you have to have your water cooled or air cooled or whatever. Computers generate a lot of heat. Your brain does too. And the more heat it generates, the more energy you're consuming. And that and, and sugar incredibly helps fuel that mechanism. And like human breast milk, for example, has the highest sugar content of any mammal's milk. Way higher than cow's milk, way higher than goat's milk, way higher than anything. And when babies are breastfeeding, their brains are growing mm -hmm. very fast. <clears throat> sugar is more or less required for, you know, optimal brain functioning. And so if you're consuming it responsibly, go for it, right? Eat your honey, eat your raw honey or whatever. So I, I just, I find there's no real use case where you'd ever even need to eat aspartame yeah. anyway. Well, exactly. So he's also asking specifically, how do you uh, detox uh, from something like this? Uh, one, I would just say avoid it at, at all costs, especially if you take Zins, try to get the natural alternatives that don't have that aspartame. Look at the products that you are consuming, make sure you don't have it. There's other people who do different things. There's other people who recommend things like fasting and charcoal. Charcoal is something that I personally do for myself. And again, just because I do it doesn't mean you should do it, especially if you're taking medications that, that charcoal will, of course... Uh, get rid of any kind of medication or any kind of chemical process that you're taking through pills that you might be dependent on. Personally, once a month, I take a bunch of charcoal um, and I make sure I don't take it with any kind of supplements or any kind of medications that I depend on. I don't depend on any, but if you do, you have to keep an eye out on that. But I talked to a, a holistic kind of naturopath and I was like, you know, tell me what kind of supplements I need to take. She's like, well, it depends on your blood levels, but it might be advantageous for you to take charcoal once a month in order to try to alkanize your system and to try to get rid of some of the impurities that are all around us. As, of course, there's a lot of poison in our food supply, in our water supply, in our in our air, and it's it, a lot of the times it's avoidable. That's just the steps that I took, and mm -hmm. it's like a little mini detox myself. I don't know if you guys do that, but again, do what you only know is right for you as an individual because it might yeah. hurt you and it might be bad for you. I, I just wanted to add real quick there, uh, Robert Heinlein's a... a famous sci-fi author and he popularizes saying there ain't no there ain't no such thing as a free lunch and i think that that's that's what we need to get away from is this concept that like well i can i'm gonna go the aspartame route i'm gonna go the diet coke route because i don't want to have the excess calories like yeah. as he was saying do not do the avoidance thing just eat what you want but make sure that it's actually natural as opposed to these things just a good example for you order off of amazon some of those uh those sugar-free gummy bears with uh like sugar alcohols or whatever it's called and and just just have a handful and see what it does to your body. It is absolutely vicious what it does to you. There ain't no such thing as a free lunch. Yeah. Just get the real thing and do it in moderation and then try and get real healthy food the rest yeah, of the day. Yeah, I want to add because the, the aspartame comes from using uh, products that have fake sugar and 
you have to be careful with that. And also a good idea is to look at how aspartame is eliminated in the body, which is obviously through urination. So you could always just drink a lot of water. I feel like people forget that like drinking water is an important factor of every single day. So just up your intake in water as well. But then yeah. you have to be careful what kind of water you're taking, because if it's just straight uh, filtered water, it actually drains with the minerals from your body as well. And you could hurt yourself by drinking too much water as well. Sorry, we, we've been like speaking over you. Yeah, no, <laughs> Sorry, it's, go ahead. it's all very complicated and tedious and tiresome but i mean a lot of detoxification or detox protocols or whatever a lot of them are just kind of like full of shit and unnecessary um and like woo woo finger in the air like there, there's no, there's no real basis for any of them the the best things to detox almost anything are time like water and sweating saunas yeah. like that's you know much more than that i'm not saying charcoal is bad i'm not saying you know, you know, there's a lot of specific things, and I'm sure there's certain poisons that there's some antidote and whatever. That's not what I'm getting at. But, like, for the most part, if you just take your time, uh, if you just spend time not ingesting the bad thing, sweating a lot, and just, like, wait, it'll get out of your body. Yes. The body is designed for it. Humans are not, and this is, like, how we invented aspartame in the first place. Humans are not smarter than the body. Like, we only modern humans think we're so smart as to be able to, like, trick the body. Right. Oh, ha, ha, body. You know, I'm going to eat sweet yeah. stuff, but not going to give you sugar. Ha ha. Gotcha. You know, like, oh, we're going to have fats, but they're not going to be saturated. Ha ha. Gotcha. Like, we're going to lower our cholesterol, you know, with Lipitor. Gotcha. Like, none of it works. We're not smarter than our bodies are. We never will be. Right. Can I, yeah. We're going to take uh, Ozempic. That's going to give us bloody diarrhea. Yeah, that yeah, sounds yeah. awesome. And you'll, and you'll vomit so hard that your teeth fall. That's one of the, that, there was a case for, of Ozempic where someone like threw up their own teeth. That's uh, so crazy. Yeah. Quick, quick story just to prove out that we can't outsmart our body. I, I did the keto diet for years to, to really get into the best shape of my life. And I would take these strips to make sure that I was in ketosis. And I was trying to get uh, sugar intake on the sly to you know stay in ketosis but i still wanted to have you know a snack or whatever so i would have a soda with aspartame and it actually knocks you out of ketosis even though there is no there should be no glycemic effect because it's it's not sugar right well in reality your body still uh, adjusts over time and it, and it identifies it as sugar even though it's not and it takes you out of ketosis yeah so, because your tongue knows what you're eating right so and your so brain is getting the, yes. the sweet signal yes exactly you you are ingesting sugar as far as your tongue is concerned and so you start releasing your insulin, you start doing all the things that happen when you eat sugar, but then guess what? Now sugar is not there. And then all of the, all of the, you know, hormonal like forces have been marshaled for nothing. Right. And so it's, it throws everything. But I, I just didn't, I didn't believe it until I actually saw the, cause you have these strips that you have to pee on yeah. every day to see if you're in ketosis. I, I couldn't believe it. But I was like, yeah, your body is actually smarter than this stuff. It's crazy. Absolutely. Solid snake. Did we answer your questions? Do you have any, anything else you want to ask us or say? Yes, uh, you answered my question on that one. I had a second question. The second question was about uh, water filtration mm. in terms of the shower. Luke, do you use a product or suggest a specific kind of filter that you found actually works and, you know, uh, if it cost efficient and not a scam. Yeah, there's a lot of different stuff out there. We have a couple filters here inside of this house, but since, of course, it's not my uh, property, we haven't invested in a huge filter. But my goal will be to get a bigger filter for the entire house uh, and therefore also make sure that the water that it, we're going to be using when we shower is also going to be filtered as well. So that's a long-term plan, but those are pretty costly. They're they're kind of a big investment as well, and I want to make sure I make it in, in a place that I'm going to actually stay a long time. Uh, this current residence is not going 
going to be that residence. I don't know if you have any comments on, on yeah, the water filtration. Sure. I mean, yeah, I mean, the whole house water filter is the ideal well water, you know, ideally. But um, the whole house filters cost like 10 grand and you have to maintain them and do all this stuff. But uh, I have a shower filter called, it's by Live Pristine. Oh, it's yeah. The dual KDF I'm filter. I'm looking at it, right? Yeah. Well, I just wrote, I actually just applied to kind of partner with them or just see and inquire oh, nice. with them on We Are yeah. Changes Behalf. Yeah, that's that's uh, as far as I'm concerned, like the, I'm not going to say the only because I don't know every single filter, but that's the legit one. And there's a lot of like bullshit ones that are advertised on Instagram, but it's it's kind of pricey. It's about a hundred bucks, but it actually works. So should we should we be <laughs> cooking in beef tallow as opposed to... Uh, you know, any any of these oils, or is there an oil, avocado oil, or, or olive oil? Beef tallow, butter, and real olive oil are the only fats that are so worth not, messing with. Yeah, and not you got to be careful because there's like fake olive oil out there that right. is really canola oil that are mixes of other yeah. oils, and it also depends on what you're cooking and what kind of heat and what kind of things you're using to cook it with. As of yeah. course, modern cookware also filled with a lot of fucked up PFAs and forever chemicals. Only that stainless also, steel, stainless like yeah. anything nonstick. I don't care if it's hex clad. I don't care if it's ceramic nonstick. I don't care. If it's all bullshit. Exactly. Right? All of it can wear off. If you has anyone ever had a nonstick pan that lasted for twenty years? No. no. Where is the nonstick coating going over those 20 years? Yep. Uh, Especially with those extreme heat. Yes. Uh, we use cast iron here yeah. at, at this home. It gets smoky sometimes, yeah. but that's the price we have to pay. Yeah. Uh, right, I, Steph? Who um, turns yes. off the, the alarm all the time? I don't like <laughs> The that smoke thing. alarm? I turn that off. I turn it off. She doesn't like those I'm, ceiling I, birds. I, 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 like, I like walked in and I'm like, Where, where's, where's, all the, where's all the fire alarms? She's like... She's it like, oh. drives me mad. <laughs> She's like, oh, I just took down all the fire. I'm like, why? We need them. I'm like, like it's okay. It's okay. No. <laughs> I used to only use cast iron, but then, you know, it, it's kind of an inconvenience to maintain. I will say that. But I used it because there's no other material that's like actually nonstick. And I don't want, I, I want my eggs to not stick to the pan. But it turns out that uh, stainless steel pans, pure stainless steel pan, pans from all clad are polished in such a way that they're like, 90% nonstick. Like yeah. we make, uh, my wife makes fried eggs and you know, you can pull it off the pan super easily without breaking the yolk. And as far as I'm concerned, that's the ultimate test of any nonstick pan. If you can fry an egg and it comes off cleanly, it's a nonstick pan and it's just pure stainless steel, but they just polish it smooth enough. Like Cuisinart pans don't cut, cut it. Uh, all clad is great. They're also made in the U S made by, you know, hand. I think it's in, like upstate New York or something. Great company, expensive, but they last forever and they work. And now I don't have you know, to deal with cast iron. And of course I don't have plastic. Yeah. Nice. Solid snake. Thank you so much for, for calling in. We want to get to another caller here. We really appreciate you being a member. Thank you for the great questions. Thanks for spurring on some really awesome conversations. Now, as we try to get uh, Dick Dickerson on, I wanted to bring up what's happening now with Alex Jones, who might actually be allowed to be back on the Twitter platform. As of course, just a couple moments ago, Tucker Carlson just interviewed Alex Jones and just released that interview. Interview, the quartering asked Elon Musk on Twitter if Alex Jones would be allowed back on X after this particular interview. And Elon Musk actually responded, quote, we'll consider in general, this platform aspires to be the global town square. Permanent bans should be extremely rare. Also, if he does say something false on this platform, then community notes will correct him, whereas that would not be the case elsewhere. Let's hold a poll. And I would absolutely agree with him on that larger sentiment, as, of course, it looks like we are getting a phone call here. Uh, let's see if this is going to work. 
Uh, but more importantly, just continuing the conversation here as Telegram is giving me the business. Hold on one second. Let me just lower this audio here. Um, I, I specifically wanted to, to, to ask you about that famous phrase that he made that essentially was a rant about him saying that the frogs are being made gay. Mm. Now, when, when you look at the microplastics, the PFA chemicals, the, the, the things that are in our cookware, in our homeware, in our furniture, in our cars, there's an argument to make there, especially when it comes to the, uh, to the hormone and, and endocrine disruptors that we are inundated with every single day. Do you agree with his kind of larger sentiments that, yes, there, there, there is a biological warfare that is biologically changing individuals. Well, as far as I'm aware, there was an actual study done with young frogs and this pesticide called atrazine that turned them into the opposite sex. Like it turned male frogs into female frogs. Like this is—I don't think this is made up. No, I think this it's, is it's true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so well, it, it, it either turned them fully into the other sex or it made them uh, hermaphrodites. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that—that that shit's real. And atrazine is like one of the first like pesticides that I ever did a deep dive into. It's really scary because it can cause multi-generational symptoms to persist even in the absence of further stimuli yeah with cancer being one of the biggest ones as well as cancer rates have gone yeah. up especially in the areas that it is in the drinking water yeah. in, in many particular states here yes so uh, would you say that atrazine changes the dna of the person that that so, is affected yeah, atr with it? At atrazine doesn't change dna but it changes the epigenome so it like i forget all the the physiology of this but it basically methylates like dna in the sperm cells and egg cells wow. which cause the expression of DNA to be different. And that's how it works. And crazy thing to think about, like a female is born, like a female mammal is born with her grandchildren in her, right? Because, or sorry, no, a female has her grandchildren in her, right? Because like, so my wife's pregnant right now. If we have a daughter, that daughter's ovaries and all of the egg cells will be fully formed by the time she's born. So while within the mother. Yeah. While right now, you know, they're within the child, within the mother, within the child, within the mother, okay. right? The ovaries of the infant. Wow. That's so beautiful. Are forming <laughs> while the infant is still in the mother. So if we're having a girl, like we have grandkids in wow. my wife right now. And so like, that's what the scientists thought. They were like, oh, that must be what's happening. Right. Like if a pregnant woman or pregnant female rat, that was what the, the experiment was done on. Like if she has this toxic exposure, it's affecting the grandchildren that are there. But they conducted the study to the fourth generation, which is the one after those grandkids. And the symptoms of atrazine toxicity persisted. But the only people that were exposed to the atrazine was the initial generation. They like withdrew the atrazine from the cages after the first generation. And so the symptoms still replicated, mm -hmm. which is really scary to think of because atrazine was invented, I don't know, it started being used in the 50s or 70s or yep. something. And so we're approaching now like the third generation from that generation. Fascinating. And so even as if humans, we were to snap our humans. fingers and ban pesticides, yeah, as humans, snap our fingers and ban the pesticides, we might never, or at least very slowly, return to our former like glory of health prior you, to the invention of these pesticides. Could, could that be playing a role in the incredible exponential rise in like the trans community? I I mean, insofar as hormonal changes like affect the way that you think, right? right? I mean, male testosterone is certainly down. Yeah. Right. Well, that, but, that's why I'm asking, because like if you have less testosterone and, and like there's also a social contagion factor and you're like, well, I don't feel as masculine as my counterparts. Perhaps I'm mm -hmm. trans. Perhaps I should be a woman. I don't know. It's just an interesting thought. Right. Because like, I mean, yeah, fair enough. If you are someone who doesn't feel particularly masculine at a hormonal level, 
And then not only that, but your your media that you consume, as everyone does, is full of just as is hyper feminine, like feminine or you know looking at least women and hyper masculine looking men. You got the Rock. You have everyone on steroids. Right. You have male fitness models. You have the actors. And then, of course, on the other hand, you have the women with their breast implants and fake lips and all these other things. So if you're in this social, very media-rich world, and you're you know, comparing yourself to that person, even if you were a normal, healthy level, you might feel yeah. like inferior Inadequate. or emasculated or something. Yeah. And the same in the reverse is true for women as I, well. I, I know we're almost out of time. I have one more question for you. The, we got, hold on. I want to try to see if we get uh, Dick Dickerson on here, but ask your question as we're, yeah, we do I, this. I just wanted to ask about GMOs. I wanted to basically play devil's advocate here. You know, yeah. A lot of people thought, especially in the 1950s, that we would not be able to have a food supply. Uh, many of the Malthusians, the, the people that think that there's overpopulation issues, thought we would never be able to supply food for you know, six, mil- 6 billion people. We're up to 8 billion. A lot of people credit GMOs, genetically modified, uh, you know, food supply with that ability. Also, the factory farming, all of these other things. Where do you fall on that? Yeah. Is that is is that actually why we're able to feed people, and is it is it worth the cost? Yeah. No. I, oh, we have we're gonna we're gonna see if we get yeah, audio here, here from uh, yeah, we'll Dick, uh, Dickerson. Uh, but I would definitely agree that in Poland, they have a lot of uh, farms that a lot of people have uh, in their backyards. They grow a lot of their own food. They have like little areas. Uh, Dick, can you hear us? Yeah, can you hear me? Yep. Yes. All right. We hear you loud and clear. How Finally. Sorry, man. I'm a boomer. It's okay. Well, I'm not really a boomer. It all worked out. <laughs> what, what is your question for us? So I just wanted to add to your food comments. First of all, um, I drive a reefer, which is all refrigerated. I haul vegetables, meat, everything. And every time I go to a pork plant or a beef plant, I pretty much throw up. The chemicals that they're using is killing people. Secondly, even your vegetables, they're pumping chemicals into potatoes, believe it or not. Um, So I would stay away from anything store-bought at all. Grow your own. Um, I have I have an Amish community in, in my area where I live in Missouri. Oh, I get my chickens, my pork, and my cow meat from them. I also get all my vegetables. They don't use any chemicals whatsoever. You know, it's interesting. So too, that's the Am- a choice that you the, have. From what I've read, the Amish community does not have nearly the uh, instances, like not even close with autism. I think that's fascinating. They're getting attacked too because they have zero autism. autism. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I've always wondered if they actually and like have like zero you said, just not diagnosed because they don't you know go that route. But anyways, it's it's fascinating. They they have some. And I also, things. if I yeah. if I eat store bought stuff, I get hives as well. Hmm. Yeah, we get our raw milk from the Amish. We get a lot of raw cheese from the Amish. It's like this very like black market kind of thing. We mm-hmm. we order it online, and then every two weeks they drop it off in like a cooler outside some random person's like garage. It's That's like awesome. a, it's like a drug deal. Yeah, and I just go drive fifteen minutes and like go to the cooler behind the garage around the chimney, and then like pull out my bag and then drive away like it's, into the night. It's, it's like it's... moonshine cheese. <laughs> yeah, 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 they just got our Amish dealer. Oh, you did? Yeah, no, they just got so our hear... Amish dealer. Like now we can't get the milk from them. Oh God. Yeah, the, the the government is going after individuals and prosecuting I mean, raw them. Raw milk for, is legal in Florida. Um, pet milk. Yes, pet pet milk. But I, then, you get it. There's a place in Davie you can get it. Yes, Southwest Ranchers. Yes, they're great. Yeah, we go there. Um, that's a, that's an awesome awesome place there. Um, uh, specifically, uh, Miranda Dick, Farms. Miranda Farms also. That's not also in Davie. Awesome. Well, I'll definitely take that information down yeah. and definitely go explore them because you definitely want to support good businesses doing good stuff and then also make sure that you're investing in them and not all the other horrible businesses and right. companies out there. And then also when you have a food supply chain issue, well now you 
you have local food producers near you with or you have a relationship with them. Exactly. exactly. Like Very if you important. can't do what Dick Dick is saying, um, and grow your own and you don't have that, even though you probably could find a way to do it in your backyard. But if you're not doing that, then you can go support people that are. Yeah. Yeah, in Poland, everyone literally grows their own food in like yeah. little neighborhood community gardens that People we all like, have. People are like, oh, the, the price of eggs. Well, guess what? Chickens. Get them exactly. Chickens. Hey, then eggs are free. Exactly. <laughs> that, that's the plan here as well. Uh, Dick, any uh, any specific questions you want to ask? Great comments. And uh, I absolutely agree with your kind of sentiments here. We were just I was just literally saying it before you said it. Well, have you noticed, a ch- like, if anyone has ever had Amish butter? Oh, yeah. It is night and day different than anything you'll ever buy in the store. It's, it's, I mean, you feel good after eating this stuff. And my biggest question is when the hell are you going to do a meetup in Missouri in a nice open carry gun happy state? I, uh, you guys do that. I can provide a venue and a, and a shooting range. Nice. That sounds really fun. Uh, I don't know when I'm going to be in uh, in Missouri, but now it, it, it's something that is going to be on my radar. Uh, we've done a lot of meetups in New York, in Miami, in California, in Texas. Why not Missouri? So that's going to be on the list. It's going to be awesome to maybe do a tour sometime in the future. But uh, thank you so much for, for being a member. Uh, Dick Dickerson, thank you so much for calling in. We really appreciate you. Uh, thank you for... Uh, being a trucker and uh, essentially feeding this country as well by providing uh, the food everywhere you go. So thank you so much for, for calling in and being a member. Thanks for the comments. Sorry for uh, the pain in the ass part of getting this stupid app to work. Hey, we got it to work, and that's all that matters. And, and we, this show wouldn't be possible if it wasn't for you and other people becoming members of LukeUnfiltered.com, supporting us and being there with us one-on-one. And uh, this is why it's awesome to kind of have these conversations. We got another quick question by one of the members asking us if there's a similar company like Massa, but when it comes to soda. Are there any uh, companies that you know that are like soda but do what you do with uh, chips? One that I've had is called Casamera Club. I would say it's a little pricey, and it's not sweet, if that makes sense. Um, it's kind of like a more herbal. It's fizzy, but, and it comes in cans, but it's like more herbal. Kind yes. of, it kind of defeats the purpose if, the, if they're trying to get a soda yeah. replacement. Yeah, it tastes good, but it's not, I guess, you know, their positioning is a sort of like non-alcoholic cocktail soda type thing. Mm. Um, I, I like their, their branding and whatnot. Uh, you can make, what my wife's been doing lately is we make water kefir. I don't know mm. if you're familiar with this no. one. It's like, uh, you're familiar with kefir. Like yes, of course. Kefir yeah. is awesome. We so got some in the house here, too. Water kefir is a fermented beverage made with, uh, you know, the, the original root culture, the bacteria, and sugar water, basically. And so you put the bacteria in sugar water. They eat the sugar. They spit out their lactic acid. They sort of make it sa- like kind of tart. But then what you do is you stick a bunch of fruit in there or honey as a second fermentation, and then you close up the lid on it, stick it in the fridge, and it'll become fizzy. And it will taste like the fruit. Like we, uh, my favorite one is when she puts uh, frozen wild blueberries in there, and so you get this fizziness. You get the sweetness. Cool. It's all fruit. It's probiotic too. So you know you can do something similar with kombucha. Water kefir is probably easier to make, but I I don't know of a particular brand that's like really pushing like a real good soda. Yeah, frozen wild blueberries was another kind of wi- uh, uh, health hack for me personally. Yeah. So uh, we're about over when it comes to time. Anything else you want to say? Anything you want to ask us? Anything else you want to talk about when it comes to, to health and, and wealth? Uh, well, I was just going to answer. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, Please. yeah. Sorry, uh, go ahead. Yeah, as far as the question was about GMOs and whether or not we can actually feed yeah. this amount of people without going that route. Yeah, so monocropping industrial agriculture is not... Like the efficiency of that model is not measured in terms of quality output per acre, but it should be. 
right? If you're designing a system to feed the most amount of people, you would optimize for quality output per acre. But these businesses don't give a shit about that. They give a shit about greatest gross profit, mm -hmm. right? And the highest output, quality output per acre is not the highest gross profit farm. And so that's why we have industrial crop, like industrial agriculture. It's not because it's the most efficient way to feed a lot of people. It's because it's the most profitable way to feed those people. Mm. And so if you have a regenerative farm, have you heard this term, regenerative yeah. agriculture or whatever? For those that don't know, it's uh, you basically integrate a whole lot of systems in one. So whereas in, you know, you, you plant a field of soybeans, for example, all you can grow on that field is soybeans. But instead with regenerative agriculture, you have a field, grass, right? You, you run your cows through it. They graze the grass. So they have your, your milk and your meat and all your dairy products, whatever. Then you can feed in chickens to go in to, to that land. And they'll like pick through the cow poop and like they'll pick the seeds and the bugs and whatever's left over. And they will get a, you know, omnivorous diet, which is natural to them. So then you get eggs. And then, of course, you get chicken meat from such chickens. And then now you have the this fertilization like, super, too, super the, the fertile land. Yeah, the manure. Exactly. The, the cows pooped, the cows peed, the chickens pooped. You have this super fertile land. Well, guess what? Now you can plant crops that are going to be nutrient-dense. In good dense. soil. Yes, with good soil. And then because you have good soil, like pesticides are needed not simply because nature hates your crops. Pesticides are needed because when you grow plants with fertilizers, they become less nutrient-dense. And many of the nutrients that we want from plants are the same things that keep bugs from eating them. So when you have a deep red tomato, it's naturally more resistant to the bugs that might eat a tomato. And so because the soil is nutrient dense, you grow crops that are better, naturally resistant to pests. You don't need pesticides. Um, or better yet, you have a garden where you have ducks and the ducks will eat the bugs off of plants. So you don't have to like spray the plants to kill the bugs. The ducks will do it for you. And then you get duck eggs and you get ducks, right? Like this is what proper agriculture should be It's like be a like. food forest. And it's, it's also by incorporating all these different systems. Yes. There's certain things that, oh, you put that herb and they don't like that. So yeah. the animals will go away from the main crop because you have those other herbs next to it where it doesn't like, maybe it's like a pepper or some type of Yeah, lettuce. yeah, there's, there's all sorts of things that will like, you know, you, know, you can spray uh, tobacco juice actually, like tobacco tea. Or apple cider vinegar yeah. is another one you can spray as well. And then like certain bugs won't want to eat those. So, so you have this sort of integrated system that can produce way more food or, you know, mm -hmm. way more healthy calories than like a soybean farm could have on the same land. But you have to have a, a farmer who is incredibly dedicated and spends a lot of time and care ensuring that the system all works. And that's where you get like it's less profitable per acre. Right. But yeah, so it is not true that industrial agriculture is the is the way to feed the most amount of people. OK, it's the way for people in the agriculture business to make the most amount of money. Yeah, and, the, and with the way that things are going, especially with monocropping and glyphosate and all the other horrible chemicals, I, I think we slowly are moving into a time and place where people are going to need to create and make their own food because yeah. all the other stuff is so depleted of nutrients, so depleted of minerals, and just absolutely horrible for you. So, um, Stephen, this was an awesome conversation. We went down a lot of different rabbit holes. We kind of got into a lot of things into the weeds that I really appreciated being able to talk about. We rarely have a chance to kind of talk about these deeper, deeper issues, but you provided us an excellent conversation. I can't thank you enough. This is again, why we reached out to you. This is why I really liked your chips when I picked them up. I enjoyed them. I'm not just saying that because I started noseedoilchips.com, something that my staff is going to put in the link so people could buy it with the promo code Luke that gives them 10% off. And again, I'm selling this because 
I want to sell this. Um, this is not just a business deal that, that someone came to us. We came to you, and we appreciate you coming here last minute, having this conversation with us. I have another event I have to go to in just a few minutes from now, so we have to sadly cut it short because I feel like we could talk about this for hours and hours and hours because there's so many different things about things that you have to spaz out about when it comes to health <laughs> that we could just continue this conversation for a while. So you are welcome to come back anytime you are here in Miami. We got a guest room. We got tactical training, whatever you want. Uh, <laughs> We will hook you up here next time you are here. So again, no seedoilchips.com. Great chips, great product, great information. Thank you so much for, for being a part of this podcast. Anything else you want to say and where can people find you? Uh, my pleasure. Appreciate the kind words. You can find me at Really Tan Man on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And the website for Moss Chips, of course, is mosschips.com, M-A-S-A-C-H-I-P-S.com. Clint. Clint Russell, host of Liberty Lockdown on YouTube and Rumble, at Liberty Lockpod on X, Liberty Lockdown on Instagram, co-host of Tower Gang, and co-host of the best politicalshow.com. Steph. Professional button pusher. You can find me at Steph. We are change. Atlas. Atlas, up. Come up here. Come on. Let's go. Yeah. Fuck the government. Fuck seed oils. Don't eat seed oils. <laughs> go to noseedoilchips.com. Thank you so much, Alice. You are awesome. This is the, the, the lady that runs the show. Really appreciate you guys watching, subscribing, and being a part of this independent media broadcast. Really means the world to us. Thank you so much. Stay tuned for more here on thebestpoliticalshow.com. All right. That was awesome. 10-second cool. delay. And cool. then after that delay.